With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I heard you are a wild one.
One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. We are live on Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And usually my co-host is the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. But tonight, a special three-hour session for Mr. Eric Balkman. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I, uh, I'm, I'm over-caffeinating, Scott. I, I, it's been a while since I did three straight hours of radio, but uh, you guys uh, got me all geeked up uh, for this uh, Genesis draft tonight. We are doing the live Genesis draft, pick-by-pick, play-by-play, commentary draft tonight on Red vs. Blue. 347-324-5404 is the number. I just took Andre Johnson at the 11 pick. I'm kind of out of breath there. I uh, didn't like the running backs that were there. All the running backs were kind of gone. I'm not going to take Adrian Peterson there. I'm not taking Matt Forte with the with the issues there. Although I do think he'll sign. I just I just don't like the vibe I'm getting, and no real reason to take a quarterback there when I can get a good one on the way back. So uh, the 11 picks, Andre Johnson. We're going to start all the way back up. Eric, why don't you do us a favor before we get to all the details? Go ahead and run down the. Do you have the draft board in front of you? I sure do. Yeah, run down the draft in the first round. Give me a little breather here to make my second pick of the evening. All right, no problem, Scott. This is what we had going on in the Genesis draft. The Bingers kicked it off by taking Arian Foster, which I, I don't think was any kind of surprise. Uh, Rich Dunn then took Ray Rice, number two overall. Again, not a shock. And you could probably guess that Recovery Boys uh, would have taken LaShawn McCoy third. That's what they did. The first real eyebrow raise or, or you know, surprise of the first round came at uh, Glenn Lowy at the four pick, taking tight end Jimmy Graham. Uh, John Duckworth from War Kittens takes Calvin Johnson, number five. Mike Santos of the Coyote Streakers fame takes Ryan Matthews, the running back from San Diego, number six. Chef Paul, Chris Johnson, running back Tennessee uh, at the seventh. Uh, Smokey's Doghouse, Jules McLean, MJD, running back Jacksonville. Love the pick, Jules. Number eight, uh, Zuri, Rob Gronkowski, Don Terminello takes his uh, favorite Patriots tight end uh, at nine. Number ten, Larry Fitzgerald for Mike Krushek, Chef Paul's free roll. And as Scott already alluded to, Team Legacy takes Andre Johnson at 11. And to round out the first round, Don Thompson taking quarterback and former Super Bowl MVP Aaron Rodgers at number 12. Very, very professional, Mr. Baldwin. I love what you're bringing to the table. Let me let me get down a, a few little details here. Red versus blue, high stakes radio on every Friday night at usually 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tonight, special 9 p.m. start time. We're going to go for two hours. Uh, we got the caffeine here, man. That's what we have to have. There's no drinking tonight, not in the middle of a live draft. You can't do that against this competition. The FFPC Genesis Draft kicks it off every single year. 
uh, for the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, the good guys at the FFPC, they, they have this event every year. It was the first draft of its kind in 2008. It kicked everything off, hence the term Genesis. There's actually a side-by-side draft going on right now called Revelations. They had such a demand for an early draft in May. They've got another one going. And, uh, you know, this is basically for a free entry into the high-stakes main event at the Fantasy Football Players Championship held out in Las Vegas every September. Some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football in this draft every single year. We're going to run down the entire lineup. Eric's here as well from the high-stakes fantasy hour that we just listened to last hour. Great show, man. Great. It's just kicking off uh, like a gangbuster. Friday night, this is the place to be on Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, man, Eric, I'm already out of breath, dude. What's going on in the second round? Well, uh, if you look at the uh, the second round, Don Thompson, of course, taking Aaron Rodgers in the first, follows it up with uh, wide receiver Roddy White in the second. Uh, and then, obviously, you, Scott, take Cam Newton to pair with Andre Johnson uh, at the second pick of the second round. Chef Paul's free roll takes A.J. Green. So they start off wide receiver, wide receiver. Uh, obviously did not like the running backs available. And Mike Krushek takes Fitz and A.J. Green. And then to bring it uh, back up to where we are live right now, uh, Azuri takes Darren Sproles to go with Rob Gronkowski, and it is on Jules McLean for the 205 right now. That is where we're at in the second round. So some interesting teams already developing here, Scott. Uh, obviously, um, Mike Krushak, his number one running back, is going to be a little bit shaky. But, hey, with Fitz and A.J. Green there, you have the potential for maybe 190 catches there. So there is nothing wrong with starting off your draft like that. Uh, and then, obviously, teams 11 and 12, Legacy and Team Thompson, both go with the quarterback-receiver tandem. Again, not liking the running backs that are out there. I think this is going to be a recurring theme that we'll see this year is that after those first uh, that first-tier running backs is gone, there's not a lot of sexy running backs out there to take. So uh, you guys, uh, you and uh, Team Thompson both start off uh, quarterback and receiver, which I think is a solid way to do it. And then Jules has just selected wide receiver from Green Bay, Greg Jennings. So MJD and Greg Jennings uh, is uh, is her pair. Now, we're coming up here on teams that took running backs uh, in the first round, so we'll have to see if some receivers and tight ends start going off the board or if teams start off running back, running back, which is what Chef Paul has just done. Following up his Chris, uh, Chris Johnson pick in the first round, he's taken Matt Forte, uh, the running back from the Bears, in the second round. So he starts off running back, running back. And maybe that's the way to go because if uh, if everybody's looking for running backs now in rounds three and four, he's going to be able to scoop up those receivers and tight ends. So right now we are at the 207 pick, Scott. It is the Coyote Streakers on the clock. You know, I, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. All these running backs going early. Most of these guys and gals, they're going to be uh, – they're just going to hoard up all the running backs. And it's going to come back around to us at the back end here where we took wide receivers and quarterback. And we're going to hoard all the wide receivers. I, I kind of feel that that's the way it's going to go. Uh, and, and we'll see as this develops. We'll talk about it all night long about uh, the strategies that take place and how each person decides to build their team. Team construction is the most fascinating part of doing these live play-by-play commentary drafts uh, to see if they go running back heavy, to see if they're not afraid to go ahead and get that depth later at running back. Um, or maybe they have to grab that tight end early. It's a, it's a, the FFPC offers a unique format. We'll talk about that also this evening. Um, and i, I got to tell you, I love the Darren Sproles pick. I, I just I, In the first round, it just seems a little difficult to do. The second round at 2-2, two, at two, two, I still have Cam Newton staring at me. I just couldn't pull the trigger. But Darren Sproles is a legitimate number one, especially we keep hearing about all these surgeries that's going on with Ingram. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, it's, he's a guy that scores a lot of points in these PPR leagues. 
got to be somebody. And he's electric. You know, he, in, the, in the new offenses that we're seeing in the NFL, this is kind of the new mold of, uh, you know, maybe feature running backs that are just, you know, they have a, a they bring a total dynamic to the to the game of football in itself. You These Jacquez Rogers types, these LaMichael James types, these small, uh, quick running backs like Darren Sproles, they, I could see that maybe developing um, as, as we move. But, but let's go ahead and get some of the, uh, the Bills tape. We're brought to you by the Fantasy Sports Channel. We broadcast live on FSC.FM every single Friday night. Uh, thanks to the good guys, Mark Ronick and the guys at the Fantasy Sports Channel, bringing you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, pretty impressive. We do stream live on iTunes, so you can pull us up on your iPod or your MP3 player. Uh, it makes it pretty cool. You can get your uh, Apple TV app. You just check it in, click it in, boom, you'll find Fantasy Sports Channel. There we are. Uh, pretty pretty cool little, little device to add on. 347-324-5404 is the number. If you want to call in, give us a question, comment on the draft. If you're a participant in the draft and you've just made your pick and you've got maybe 20 picks to go before it comes back to you, feel free to, to ring us up because we are going to critique your draft, period, point blank in the story. Uh, Eric and I, we've already discussed this offline. We're going to let it rip. We're going to let it fly. And whether you like it or not, that's just the way the – the Genesis draft always rolls, right? I mean, we, we're going to look at your draft. We're going to tell you what you need. We're going to tell you what you better hope falls before you. And if it doesn't, it, it, you know, if it doesn't fall that way, it doesn't fall that way. But uh, we're going to bring it to you straight and shoot it to you just like we would. Look, everybody's been there, Eric, in these high-stakes events in Vegas or in Chicago where we hang out a lot or in Kentucky. Uh, we, we go after the draft is over. We stand up at the board and we just – critique the hell out of that board, man. And I don't care who's standing around. I think that's one of the first times I, I, you know, I met you guys. I was just rambling off, you know, about this board and everybody's just laughing, you know. I, mean, like, I don't care. I'm just going to let it rip. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're getting ready to see Rich Dunn pair somebody up with Ray Rice here. He chooses Aaron Hernandez at 211. The third tight end off the board comes to Rich Dunn, who uh, had one heck of a year last year. Uh, in the Genesis format. Jason Tapley is up next. He's at the turn. Uh, it's always nice to have the one pick. You control your own destiny. You take the very best player that you feel is in the draft, and he chooses Arian Foster. Do you agree or disagree with that pick, Eric? Is that is that the undisputed number one this year? I don't think it's the undisputed number one, but I, I think that you can make a, a extremely strong case for taking Foster number one. I don't have a problem with really any of those top three running backs going number one. Uh, in fact, I, you know, in all the leagues I play in, I might, if I had the number one pick, I might take any one of those players. So, again, Foster catches passes. He's in a really good offense. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that right there. He can make a case for Rice. He can make a case for McCoy. Now, what's great for Jason here is he saw that second round go by. He had to wait for everybody else to pick before he could take his, uh, his second player. And what happened? Six running backs went in round two, including five in a row. That means he had his pick of the litter for receivers and quarterbacks. Essentially, he gets Wes Welker and Tom Brady, the New England hookup, coming up at the uh, two and three pick. So, I mean, can you really fault a guy for starting his team off with Brady, Foster, and Welker? I mean, that is dynamic right there. Uh, if you're uh, Jason and the uh, bottom bingers, you've you got to be really happy with how that second round went. There's not a whole lot of arguing you can do when you draft a guy like Wes Welker. He really uh, has grown on me over the years. He's just one of my favorite players, even though I'm a Jets fan. I can't stand it. But how can you not like this guy? And, and Brady loves him, 173 targets. Uh, I think only one guy had more than that, and I, Roddy White, I think, had more. But what he does with it is just 
He catches it. He runs it in. Uh, he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. Not a big touchdown guy. Still had nine touchdowns last year, but 1,500 yards. So uh, I don't I don't see any reason why that won't continue. Um, just that overall dominance from a from a West Welker. He's he's definitely a top five, no worse than a top ten wide receiver in PPR league. So. Uh, Listen, if you also have an email for the show, redblueradio at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter, at redblueradio, and you'll find us everywhere around the world. So, Eric, uh, I don't know where my buddy is, uh, Mike Trent. I thought he was going to be here tonight. He was. Uh, he went to the Oaks. He said, look, I'm going to go. He, he told me weeks ago, I will be there. I don't care what happens. I will be there for the Genesis draft. I will not, not miss it. I said, well, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Eric's going to be on the show, too, uh, just to kind of relieve you because, you know what? When I'm on the clock, I like to think a little bit. I don't like to, you know, just run rampant watching, you know, commentating the show and then not have any time for my picks. So I said, I'm going to have Eric there to help you out and to go through. And what happens? He pulls a no-call, no-show. So, you know, two no-call, no-shows. You get two. That's it. You get two. And then you're out of here. So, Mike Neasy, that's one. Here's what I'll say about Mike. I know it's Kentucky Derby weekend, and listen, I don't live in Louisville or anything like that, but I know that it's sort of like a month-long thing down there. So when you have the Derby tomorrow, there's got to be a ton of partying and everything going on uh, down there. Who knows, maybe he's up at the casino and and winning a ton of money. Uh, Certainly uh, you don't want to walk away from a heater is what they always say. So maybe he's got a heater going right now uh, and maybe a heater in his hand and, and a cold brew in the other. So Mike Trent's uh, got to be loving life right now, much in the same way that, you know, we're loving life watching this draft unfold right here. Um, I'm a little surprised to see all these running backs being taken, um, given that, uh, you know, I, I just didn't really have a whole lot of love after the top four or five running backs. But, you know, you got to fill at least two slots, two running back slots, and I think a lot of people are taking care of that sooner rather than later, Scott. I, I told you this would happen, man. Anybody that passes on running backs in the FFPC, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a perilous road that you go down. But again, uh, we've seen time and time again with running backs, uh, their inability to stay healthy for a full season. The running backs kind of come out of nowhere. Starting wide receivers, studly wide receivers, don't really just come out of the woodworks. I mean, you might have the occasional rookie, the occasional Marquez Colston come out of here and just blow you away that you took late. But tight ends and, um, and and wide receivers usually aren't the type to come out and explode for 20-point weeks. You usually have to draft and pay the price to get those guys. Whereas I think with running backs, you know, I think history shows us you can bring in, uh, you know, numerous guys from around the league, and I'm not going to, you know, name names, but there's tons of guys that just come out of nowhere and, you know, they fill the void for that injured running back. And so – uh, it's a position that can be sacrificed, I think, in today's NFL. Now, we'll see if everybody feels the same way. I still see – I already see three teams out of the 12, 25% took advantage of the two running back, the traditional two running back start. One team, Chef Paul's free roll, that's Mike Krucek. Uh, he's in on uh, – he, he got a free entry this year thanks to uh, Mr. Uh, Paul Schmidt and Chef Paul. Uh, he started with the two wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald and A.J. Green. What do you – what do you think? There's a, there's quite a bit of statistics out there, uh, at least going into last year, that it is very difficult to win a league. Uh, and we can pull these old these uh, statistics up off the message board, but it was a it was a very small percentage chance of those guys that start off wide receiver wide receiver have a very difficult time winning the league. Do you still believe that exists to this day? 
I think there's something to be said for it. Um, but again, if you're a lot of these drafts, just come down to like, okay, let let's look at value. Let's see what kind of points I'm getting here. You know, you're going to get a ton of points with Larry Fitzgerald, no matter who the quarterback is. He's quarterback proof. He's going to be awesome. And then you have AJ Green, who had you know essentially nobody playing on the other side of the field last year. Uh, in Cincinnati, and it was, you know, he was his rookie year. He was counting on to do a lot, and he came through. And he had a rookie quarterback throwing to him. So I think there was a lot of warts on A.J. Green last year, and he came through with a Pro Bowl season. So if, you, if, you're, if you're Mike uh, and you don't like Sproles, you don't like Forte, you don't like McFadden or Murray, and, and you like A.J. Green and he's your guy, man, you've got to take him, statistics be damned. I mean, you're trying to win this league, and if you think that A.J. Green is going to be the best value for your team right there, you've got to take him no matter what position he is. It'd be a lot different if maybe he had three receivers already or four receivers already, and, and you're taking a guy that you just love as your number five. Well, then you're getting pretty dicey here. But it's so early in this draft. I mean, you can rebuild or switch your the way you're building your team on the fly and take a running back, uh, take a tight end later on if you were planning on taking one in the in the second round. Um, you can adjust. It's early enough to do that, and and now you'll see Chef Paul adjust. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Don't be scared. Give us a call. Talk to Eric. Talk to me. Tell us about what you think about this draft. Uh, we've got a great chat room here at Red vs. Blue. We affectionately call the crew, comprised of some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football, uh, and they're usually in the Genesis draft. Uh, it's kind of kind of neat that it works out that way. But I'm going to just start at the top uh, of the draft and work our way down. We'll just uh, go one at a time here, Eric. I'm, I'm up on the clock right now, so I'm going to let you start with Jason Tapley, the bottom fingers with the one pick, and I'm on the clock. All right, so just to recap, and, and I'll go through this, uh, you know, fairly quickly because I don't want to repeat myself a whole lot, but uh, the bottom bingers have gone Arian Foster, Wes Welker, Tom Brady, Rich Dunn at the two-pick, Ray Rice, Aaron Hernandez, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Yates, recovery boys, uh, went Shady McCoy, Jamal Charles, and then Hakeem Nix, running back, running back receiver, uh, Glenoration X, Glenn Lowy, Jimmy Graham, DeMarco Murray, and Adrian Peterson. So not going with the running back in the first round. He still has his top two running backs taken care of here at the end of round three. John Duckworth's War Kittens go Calvin Johnson, Darren McFadden, Antonio Gates. So a um, rainbow of colors there if you're looking at the color grid uh, for the link posted on myffbc.com message boards. Um Coyote Streakers at six, Ryan Matthews, Trent Richardson, Victor Cruz, a young and explosive crew uh, there. Uh, pretty high ceiling um, and a pretty low floor, so we'll see what happens there. Chef Paul at the seven pick, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, and Mike Wallace. Smokey's Doghouse, Jules McLean, uh, MJD, Greg Jennings, and Julio Jones. Uh, Azuri, Don Terminello goes Rob Gronkowski, Darren Sproles, Marshawn Lynch, so no receivers yet for Donnie T, but he does have Gronk, he does have Sprawls, and he does have Beast Mode. Chef Paul's free roll, Mike Krushek, the team we were just talking about starting off receiver-receiver, did go running back in round three, so he has his number one, and his name is Ahmad Bradshaw. He goes Fitz A.J. Bradshaw. That is Mike Krushek. Uh, team Legacy, Scott Atkins, the host of your program tonight. Andre Johnson, Cam Newton, Reggie Bush, a lot of catches there, a lot of electricity. Uh, he's got a, uh, a receiver that can do it all, a quarterback that can run, and a running back that can catch. Nothing wrong with that. Team Thompson currently on the clock as we move into the fourth round here. He has the 401. Again, a rainbow of colors so far on Team Thompson's team. 
He started things off with Aaron Rodgers uh, with the last pick of the first round and the only quarterback to go in round one. Followed it up with Roddy White with the first pick of round two, and then he went tight end. Uh, Jason Witten is the last pick of round three and the fifth tight end off the board. He goes Witten there, and to keep that uh, rainbow of colors going, he takes another position, Steven Jackson, the 401 pick. So now Team Thompson is looking at a team of Aaron Rodgers, Roddy White, Jason Witten, and Steven Jackson. And Scott Atkins, Team Legacy, has just taken his second receiver with the second pick in the fourth round. It's Mr. Brandon Marshall in his brand-new shiny Bears jersey. So he gets Brandon Marshall to pair with Andre Johnson at receiver and still has Cam Newton and Reggie Bush. Hey, man, not a bad job there, getting a lot of uh, a lot of quality, a lot of points uh, with your first four players. You know, we're surrounded by uh, excellent drafters here, and I, and I think I want to start at the end with the, uh, the rainbow team, as you call it, Team Thompson, Donnie Thompson, one of the best high-stakes guys that uh, that I know. Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, Roddy White. So you're already taking the unconventional route of saying, hey, running backs, I can wait on. Uh, he comes in and takes Jason Witten, who I think I saw a stat on, is the only player in their position, in any position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end, to stay in the top five for the last three years running. That's a pretty crazy stat. Jason Witten, the only player in their position, to stay in the top five over the last three years. And not only that, he's done it the last five years. So it's almost when you draft Jason Witten, you absolutely know what you're getting and tremendous value when you compare it to, you know, uh, spending a 1-6 or maybe a 1-9 like we saw tonight uh, on the Gronkowskis and the Graham. So I love the Jason Witten pick. Uh, Following up with Steven Jackson, again, this is a guy that uh, I can't quite get my head around. I can't, can't find myself drafting. Uh, it seems like his best years are obviously behind him. You know, our good friend um, has Stephen Jackson. He's been in the league for so long now, it seems. And it's just I can remember yesterday when he was the rookie. He was the hot shot rookie pick in Dynasty Leagues. And uh, to, and, and you were kind of worried, well, Marshall Falk's still there. Hey, you don't worry about it. You still take him one or two, uh, something like that. And and I remember Rob Benetti won his $100,000 grand prize uh, because Steven Jackson blew up over those last three weeks of the championship, and he had like nine and ten reception games. Those games for Steven Jackson, even though he was a top ten running back last year, uh, he only missed one game, and he was still a top ten running back. 4.4 yards a carry, 42 receptions. Just not getting a lot of love in the fantasy community uh, the first couple of games. He, did, he, he was top ten, and he didn't really play that much in the first couple of games. So still a guy that – you, you have to think if, if Sam Bradford can get things going in that offense, maybe things start to turn around for that offense, and Steven Jackson has to be behind it. I, I don't think they're quite ready to turn it over to Isaiah Pete just yet. I think you make a, a lot of good points there about Steven Jackson, and I think the thing to keep in mind here with Don Thompson's team, remember, he didn't take a running back in rounds one, two, or three, so he had no running backs on his team. And when you yeah. have that situation, remember, you got to start two of them. When you have that situation, I don't want to call him a beggar, but beggars can't be choosers there. And I, I think there's a lot of upside with Steven Jackson. I, I said it on the, on, on the show on the High Six Fantasy Football Hour right before your show, Scott. I said that I think the addition of Pete is going to be good for him. It's going to mean less touches, and it's going to mean more productive touches. He's not going to get worn down eight weeks into the season like he has been the last couple of years. So as far as the number one running back goes, when you already have Witten, White, and Rodgers, there is nothing wrong with that pick whatsoever. 
I see Jules McClain, one of the best female drafters in the world, not just female, one of the best drafters in the world, Jules McClain, Smokey's Doghouse, drafting out of the eight-hole. She started with MJD, Greg Jennings, Julio Jones, and then comes back with a surprising pick, Eric, Doug Martin, who a lot of people think is, is going to get carried, handed the reins to the Tampa Bay job. Now, we've seen this before. We've seen rookies come into the league and they get overdrafted, and then you, you're still not sure how the coaching staff is going to use him. The good thing is it is a new coaching staff. Uh, Shiano from Rutgers, he, he comes in and he, he, does, he sees what he has in the cupboard, and he's like, my cupboard's bare with LeGarrette Blunt. He's going to get Josh Freeman killed if he doesn't learn how to block, and he doesn't have a pedigree really. So the fact that they come in and they, trade, they go up to get their guy in the first round and draft Doug Martin, it is an indication that they're going to use him. But the question is still how much. We, we haven't seen him, and that's the risk you take with rookies. But Jules, one of the best drafters in the world, is not afraid to do it. So take notes here, fantasy players. Doug Martin, fourth round, one of the best players in the high-stakes world. I bet you this is a name that we start to see climb up the ADPs immediately after tonight. Everybody wants to talk about Trent Richardson as far as running backs go this year, uh, rookie running backs go in fantasy, but – Hey, Doug Martin, uh, look at look at what he brings to the table for Tampa Bay. LeGarrette Blount, Scott, you said it. He's not a pedigreed guy. He's a guy that just kind of uh, fell into some success last year, had a lot of problems fumbling the football, and you know a coach like Greg Schiano is not going to tolerate that. When you want to say you get back to basics uh, of football, which is what Schiano said, well, one of the basics is definitely not putting the ball on the turf every other carry. Uh, Doug Martin is not going to do that. Doug Martin is uh, he's built, uh, you know, like you'd want a running back to be built, 5'10", 220, something like that. Guy can catch passes out of the backfield, something that LeGarrette Blount is not very proficient at. So you know he can play immediately on third downs, and I don't see what's to stop him uh, from playing on first and second downs immediately. Look at who Jules passed up, uh, in, in, you know, to take Doug Martin. She left Michael Turner on the board, Frank Gore on the board, Fred Jackson on the board. All guys with a lot of mileage out there. Willis McGahee, too. I mean, if you want to talk about taking a running back at this point, what's wrong with taking a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of carries on him, uh, a guy who's going to come in the league and, and um, you know, be able to get 250, 300 touches immediately? Uh, a high ceiling, uh, you know, maybe a, a lower-type floor, maybe a high floor, too, when you're talking about the fourth round. Uh, and he's your number two running back. It, it, it's a decent gamble to make, and let's face it, she's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this, so far be it for me to criticize her. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the pick. You like Doug Martin, you take Doug Martin. That's just the name that I saw. I also like uh, the Roy Hallou pick. Hallou, a uh, couple picks after that, because we did. I actually had Hallou uh, queued up, and I was taking a hard look at him when I took Reggie Bush, and I just liked what I saw from that kid last year. You think that that offense is going to be exciting. It's an exciting pick. It's a sexy pick. I'm not quite sure how effective it's going to be, but it is something that you feel is uh, has a lot of upside. There's that U-word that we, we bring up so often in fantasy circles. Uh, Roy Halu, I'll tell you what, this is the thing about uh, this kid. You know, every year these uh, prognosticators like to come out and, and all these draft scouts that, 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 you know, tweet in fantasy football world, they all love to say – how Roy Hillou was going to be a bust, you know, and, and I'm telling you, it was all over the place. And it was just one of those guys you heard over and over and over again. I'm like, man, is this the same kid I watched when I watched him? And I'm just a fan. I'm not a guy who studies game tape or I'm not a, 
a talent scout or any of that. I, I, I play fantasy football. I construct teams. I try to do my best in this world. But I don't, I'm not a talent scout like the, like the NFL coaches, right? But there's a lot of fantasy uh, guys who say they are and they watch a lot of tape and do this and that or whatever. Fine. And a lot of them are, are good at it. Don't get me wrong. But when they're saying Helu's going to be a bust because they don't like the way he runs, I just don't get it. I mean, he was a star running back in Nebraska. Granted, there were big holes. But he, I, I looked at him and I said, man, I like this kid. I like how he runs. And, man, if, if, if he had the kind of offensive line that Mark Ingram had at Alabama – I think this guy would have put up bigger stats than him. So it's interesting to see how he transitions. And now all those same guys that hated on Alu, they're coming around and they love the kid. You know, it's, it's funny. You've got to be very careful when you listen to these guys. You've got to come in and form your own opinion. David Dodd sent me an interview um, request the other day, and he, and he, and he wanted to um, – he has an iPad app coming out, and they're gonna, there's going to be all kinds of fancy bells and whistles on this thing. And he, and he had a question, and I said, what's the one advice that you would give fantasy players coming into high stakes? And I'm like, you know what, follow your own gut. I, I can't stand to see a newbie that's never played high stakes come in, sit down at the table with a magazine or somebody else's cheat sheet. I just, I'm just like, you know what, follow your own gut. The, the reason why you're here is because you like fantasy football. Don't follow the herd. Take your own guys. Take them where you want them. And that's kind of what we saw from Jules. She took Tug Martin. You know what last year she did, Eric? She took Jimmy Graham, and everybody was like, what are you doing taking Jimmy Graham in the first? What are you doing? And she just follows her own lead. She watches what she watches, and she evaluates it, and she doesn't need anybody's help. She can listen, but she has her own guys that she likes, and she comes to the table, and that's why she wins. You can't go into a draft. The worst thing you could do is come out of it without your guys. You know, that's the worst. So that was my little bit of advice. I like the Doug Martin pick. I like the Roy Hillu pick. And what else do you see in round four that's uh, somewhat interesting here, Eric? Well, he had a little mini receiver run go here at the end of round four with Miles Austin, Marcus Colston, Percy Harvin, and Jeremy Macklin going uh, right in a row. So certainly some of these teams that are taking running backs early are now sneaking up uh, on some nice uh, wide receiver values here in round four. Um, let's talk about uh, Chef Paul Skrero, Mike Krushek, um taking a third receiver in round four. So he goes receiver, receiver, running back, receiver takes Jordy Nelson uh, with the 403. Not Now, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Packers uh, fan, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I think that there is a, going to be a regression in the mean for Jordy Nelson this year. I think if you look at a lot of his touchdowns and a lot of his yardage last year, they came on big okay. bomb plays. Now, he's going to get 40, 50, 60-yard touchdowns again. I don't see him getting them uh, in the same uh, you know, realm as he did last year. You want to compare him to a guy, let's say, Dwayne Bowe, who uh, who was on the board and still is on the board, actually. Uh, Jordy Nelson outscored him by 28 fantasy points last year, and that's with Dwayne Bowe, you know, having a train wreck throwing to him at quarterback, and that's with Aaron Rodgers throwing to Jordy Nelson. A lot of mouths to feed in that Green Bay offense, not really a whole lot in the Kansas City offense. So you could make a certainly a case there uh, for taking Dwayne Bowe over Jordy Nelson, but, Scott, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, talking about taking players that you like. It, it is important to come away from draft, uh, a draft, it, you know, believing that, hey, you know, I don't know if my team's going to win or not, but I believe in my team because these are the guys that targeted, these are the guys I like, and I'm going to go to battle with those guys. It's very important to say that. I'd much rather say that than say, well, I don't like this guy, but he was a nice value here, and this guy was okay, but he was a nice value. No, you don't want to say that. You want to come out of a draft saying, these are the guys I wanted, these are the guys I got, and this is the team that is going to help me win the title. Man, I'll tell you, I'm really bummed that C.J. Spiller is gone. That's another name that I almost pulled the trigger on at round five, 5-1. Five, 
C.J. Spiller from Buffalo. Just a, a freakish performance uh, to end the season after we saw what Fred Jackson did. Now, obviously, that offensive line has a lot to do with that. They played great, great ball, stretching that, uh, stretching that line out, moving defenders out, and creating huge holes for these running backs to go through. Fred Jackson followed it, and I think C.J. Spiller showed a lot of maturity and a lot of patience last year as he started to just really develop into a, you know, a fantastic fantasy player, running the ball, catching the ball, the kind of guy I like to have in the mode of Reggie Bush. We've got a uh, caller from Skype, so we're going to bring on our first Skype caller of the evening. You're on the air with Red versus Blue. Hey, guys. How you doing? That voice sounds very familiar. Yep. That sounds like Greg Kellogg to me. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm on-site working this weekend, but uh, I'm waiting for a file download to finish, and that's about an hour or so. thought I'd listen to your show and follow the draft. Well, we're having a great time here. This is the FFPC Genesis Draft. Do you Can you see the draft board in front of you, Greg? I'd love to hear your comments on what you've seen so far through four and a half rounds uh, in this FFPC format. Well, Ryan is probably thought of. I am surprised that you've got uh, Graham and, and Calvin Johnson in the first round. Uh, I think uh, Chef Paul's going to love the Chris Johnson pick because I don't see him having the same kind of year he did last year. I do know that, you know, I was kind of looking at the positional rankings, and there's a couple wide receivers I'm surprised aren't off the board. Vincent Jackson, Dwayne Bowe just went off the board, but he was another one. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, I think those three guys are going to have great years this year. Uh, Of the rookies, I kind of like Alshon Jeffries and A.J. Jenkins. I think they're in good positions where they could start and they've got quarterbacks that can get the ball to them. Say what you will about Alex Smith. He proved he could win last year. Some quarterbacks that haven't come off the off the board yet that I'm surprised. That is a Detroit fan, I'm going to tell you. Stafford's going to throw for over 4,000 yards again this year. He probably won't hit five, but he will get over 4,000. Know, he's got to stay healthy, of course, but 30 touchdowns. Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are – I've got Peyton Manning in my top five. He's All reports are he's great. And – Cam Newton, I just – I know one of you guys took him, but it's – the problem I have with Cam Newton is last year a lot of his scoring, if you look after week four, he didn't throw for over 300 yards once. He got a lot of his points on rushing touchdowns, and no coach wants to see his his quarterback be the goal line ball carrier. That's one reason we have Mike Tolbert in town now. And I just – I don't see – I don't see Cam Newton getting six touchdowns this year rushing. So if he doesn't improve his passing game – and they really didn't help him at the wide receiver position much. Um, I, I just uh, I think he's a little bit overrated this year. I've seen him on my fantasy league. They're ranking him at the number two in average draft. And I think that's just a little too early for him with you know with guys like Stafford and and Philip Rivers and Peyton Manning and Tony Romo. Don't think I'd I'd put Cam up there yet. And I think a lot of people are going to overvalue RG three for the same reason. Um, there's a lot of talent. I, I like Jay Cutler this year. I think the addition of Brandon Marshall and of, uh, of Alshon Jeffrey, I think you're going to see a resurgence from him. At, at running back, you know, it took a long time to get Steven Jackson off the board. That surprised me. And C.J. Spiller went, but Fred Jackson's a starter there, unless there's something new. I don't know. The one guy that's not being picked up in drafts that I think you ought to put on your board is uh, Ryan Williams. 
Uh, you know, that guy had the starting position before he went down last year. He'll be back. Um, so he's a guy, I agree with you when you were talking about the Doug Martin pick, outstanding pick. Hey Greg, let me let me ask you something. If, you, if you're looking at the uh, if you're looking at the draft board right now, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Glenn Lowy's team, Glenneration X, uh, picking from the number number four spot. Starts it off with Graham. We, we you already mentioned how you're a little surprised that he went uh, that early, but look at those running backs. Uh, are you a fan of this, Demarco Murray, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore? A lot of potential there. Uh, guys who've been successful before, but. Murray's coming off an injury. Adrian Peterson, we're not sure if he's going to be ready to go week one. And certainly Frank Gore with the addition of uh, Brandon Jacobs and LaMichael James, I think that Jim Harbaugh is seeing that he needs to ease his workload a little bit. Uh, what, do, what do you think about that running back core for Glenn? Well, I was in a in an experts draft on Wednesday, and I actually took Peterson at the bottom of round two. Uh, I realized there's a risk, but he is running. The reports are good. And, you know, to get an Adrian Peterson at the end of round two, that's pretty much unheard of. I, I matched him up with Sean McCoy, though. Um, I like his backs. Marco Mori was doing great until he got injured. Um, I think that he's going to be the starter there. I don't think Felix Jones is going to come into his. Frank Gore seems to be really underappreciated. Um, and that's an offense that really starts starts and ends with him. So I think that you, they're going to throw a little bit more. A.J. Jenkins and Randy Moss add firepower to that receiving core. But I think that just opens it up for Gore. Um, Jimmy Graham in the first surprises me. I probably wouldn't have gone that way. I, I know one and a half points per reception for a tight end changes the value, but I probably wouldn't take a tight end in the first round. Greg Kellogg can be seen or can be heard on Kellogg's comments and fantasy charts, right? Sundays and Tuesdays, right? And, uh, Saturdays and Tuesdays, actually. Saturdays and Tuesdays, gotcha. Greg Kellogg, thank you for joining uh, Red vs. Blue, man, and, and hope to uh, hope to catch some of your shows here uh, all in the off season as we prepare for another exciting year of high-stakes fantasy football. Thanks a lot for calling in, Greg. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Greg. Greg, Greg Kellogg coming in and chiming in, man. I'll tell you what, you know, this FFPC format, I think it's important that we do discuss with the casual listener that doesn't uh, isn't quite familiar with the FFPC format, I'm going to give you a quick rule breakdown. One quarterback starting, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end, and two flex position. The interesting part of that quirk, you could start four running backs, you could start four wide receivers, or three tight ends on any given week. That gives you a lot of flexibility in the draft to not be forced into taking a position based on need you can take the best player available in a lot of these situations and get bailed out if your team construction doesn't go exactly like you want it. The other interesting twist uh, that we, we have to mention, Eric, is, is and you alluded to it, the one-and-a-half points per catch for tight end. Does that rule not just change everything in these drafts? I mean, it, it just turns everything into a storm of uncertainty. You have no idea what's going to happen. You could look. You could draft in ten different drafts. Uh, in the preseason to try to get prepared, and you show up in Vegas, and it's nothing like you've ever seen. It's it's important to understand that not everybody is going to subscribe to the rule that, oh, since tight ends get one and a half points per catch, I better draft them early. That's fine if you believe it. It's fine if you don't. But what you need to understand is even if you don't buy into it, um, a, a plurality of your league is going to. So you have to understand that, uh, you know, tight ends will go earlier. 
Um, you look at um, some of the teams here. Jimmy Graham going at the fourth overall pick. I mean, that's that's crazy for any other league. I mean, you just don't hear about it. Look at all the teams that have doubled up uh, on tight ends already. Well, then all of them. There's two of them. Uh, Warkins, Antonio Gates, and Jermichael Finley. Finley, by the way, a guy who was going at the end of the first round in a lot of FFPC uh, drafts last year. Uh, Warkins gets him here at the uh, towards the end of the fourth. Uh, and then Azuri, Rob Gronkowski, and Vernon Davis. And remember, you can start three tight ends if you want. So uh, it, it certainly does throw a monkey wrench into it. Again, you don't have to subscribe to it. There's plenty of players. Uh, we talked about it on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour at Dave Gerzak. We've, we've seen teams win the, the main event prize in FFPC with a starting tight end of Dante Rosario. So you don't have to subscribe to it. You just need to understand that you need to prepare for it. Very interesting to see a Matt Stafford still getting drafted in the sixth round. I would have never dreamed in a million years after the season we saw from this kid that you could get a Matt Stafford in the sixth round. I thought for sure he was going to be in that and drafted in that elite tier of quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matt Stafford. It's usually a five. Now, I can only think that it's because of the high pass attempts that they feel like that's not going to continue. But 41 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and this guy's not in, you know, uh, the top three, four rounds in this format. It's very, very fascinating to me to see Matt Stafford fall. Chef Paul's uh, free roll here. Mike Khrushchev has to be loving the fact that he stole one of the best tight, uh, best quarterbacks in the draft in the sixth round while everybody else was paying a first or second or even third round price. I mean, that's it's pretty incredible. You look at uh, Chef Paul's three-roll team, boy, I'm really starting to like it. I know I questioned the Jordy Nelson pick before, but remember, that's his third receiver. He's already got Fitz and A.J., so he doesn't necessarily – I mean, he could bench Jordy if he wanted to some weeks. And then you get a guy like Ahmad Bradshaw, who's a part of an elite offense in New York. You get a guy like Michael Turner, who, yeah, I know he's going to be 30 years old, but dude rushed for 1,300 uh, yards and 11 touchdowns last year. I mean, you can't underscore that. It's interesting to me – that the body of work, and I understand there's a, that age plays a role into it, but it's interesting to me that the body of work for Steven Jackson, Michael Turner, Frank Gore, I mean, those were ignored, essentially, because Gore and Turner went in the fifth and Steven Jackson went in the fourth. And Matthew Stafford, uh, his, his body of work, uh, you look at him having one successful season and he goes in the sixth round. I think a lot of these teams are stacking uh, running backs and receivers and, and maybe ignoring quarterbacks. And, and we'll have to see how that turns out because guys like you, Scott, takes Cam Newton early, guys uh, like Don Thompson who takes Aaron Rodgers early, you're set. You're elite at quarterback. Some of these other teams are going to be playing quarterback roulette uh, for uh, a large portion of the season, and they're fine with it. I mean, a lot of people like to play that way. I I subscribe to that theory. I, I Again, I'm not good enough to take a quarterback that early. I, you know, I just, I just need to stack those players because I know I'm going to miss on at least one. Um, but, again, uh, five quarterbacks off the board here, and now we're coming up on the end of round six. I tell you what, uh, John Duckworth just took Torrey Smith. Love that pick as a, uh, as a wide receiver three. Think that fits in nicely. And there goes Michael Vick. Uh, we see Glenn Lowy, who almost took down the entire thing last year. The 200 grand was right there in his hands. Michael Vick goes in the sixth round. Uh, very interesting story last year that we saw from Michael Vick, kind of on again, off again. The offensive line was in shambles. You never knew what kind of performance Michael Vick was going to put up. Still put up a top 12 season, uh, but but he had his games where he just really disappeared 
from from the type of standard that he had set for himself the year prior. I mean, a 20-point game is, 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 is good, but it's not Michael Vick good. And then he started hitting a dry stretch there. The second half of the season, he, he you know, he puts up a couple of clunkers there, misses a couple of games, three or four games, I don't know, and and then he, he, he seemed like he kind of got it together near the end. They started to make a little bit of a late run. They were a dangerous team. Uh, but then they had all the issues with Deshaun Jackson and the Macklin injury. Uh, so very interesting to see that this team maybe will turn it around now uh, that they, they did keep Andy Reid. Uh, they re-signed Deshaun Jackson. Uh, they have McCoy still there. They've got that, that young core intact. The question is, will they be able to put it together and compete in that division, which is getting tougher by the day. The Giants took care of their business. They proved they were legit. Washington brings in a quarterback like Robert Griffin. They're going to be up and coming. They beat the world champs twice last year. And then you've got the Dallas Cowboys, who's always going to be kind of in the running, never quite there, but they're always going to be a tough game, a tough out. So one of the it, it's got to be the toughest division in football. And seeing Michael Vick uh, still a, a sixth-round pick, doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me, Eric, is uh, one of your favorites, right? Job is best in the sixth round here. The kid may never play again from what I hear, but now he's, I guess he is cleared for practice and cleared for drills. So let's see. They're, they're talking about bringing in Ryan Grant. What do you make of the whole job at best situation? <laughs> Don't lump me in with Dave Herzak and his crazy job at best love. Uh, no, seriously. I do, uh, you know, job at best is he's an elite talent in, in my eyes. The problem with him is, is he has all these injury warts on him, and it's the worst kind. Uh, you know, we're seeing all this stuff, uh, this uh, focus on concussions and, and what they mean uh, not only while you're playing football but after football as well. You saw the Packers uh, had a uh, – Nick. Had, they released Nick Collins who had a nasty neck injury. I mean, they don't even want to put him on the field at all. Um, I'm not comfortable taking Javid Best in the sixth round. That's just me. I mean, if you want to roll the dice on him, that's cool. I mean, I totally get it. There's not there's not anybody else on the board, in my opinion, that has the ceiling of Javid Best. You look at the other guys that were out there, Beanie Wells, uh, Law Firm, Willis McGahee, Jonathan Stewart, Isaac Redmond, D'Angelo Williams. I mean, none, none of those guys have the pass-catching skills that Javid Best has. Um, none of them, when they're healthy, can play the kind of role he plays in the Detroit offense. Um, Tom Yates is the one who took him, and he already has Shady McCoy and Jamal Charles. So Best, again, doesn't have to start for him. You can use him when he's healthy. Uh, I would, again, this is me, I would probably lean on you know drafting a healthy uh, player there, a healthy running back, or maybe a tight end, or maybe I go with my fourth receiver there. Or maybe I crack the quarterback cherry and I take a quarterback. And there he goes with Brent Selleck taking uh, him in the seventh round. So I'm not a huge fan of the pick, but, hey, if he's healthy for 13, 14 games, man, that's an awesome pick in the sixth round. I, I, I tend to agree with pretty much everything you said about that guy. I'm, uh, I'm still a big fan. I'd love to see it work out. I'm just not sure what's going to happen there. It's one of those uncertainties, and it always scares me away from those types of players when it comes draft time and money's on the line. So it's interesting to see the tight ends are still rolling. Uh, I'm only I'm one of only, uh, what, uh, three teams not to have a tight end there, so I better hope I know what I'm doing when it comes to picking a tight end this late in the game. You better not, uh, you better not do, you know, strike out uh, when it comes to tight ends. Um, we'll see how that works out. Tight end is a very important position in the FFPC, as we saw last year. The Grams and Gronkowskis, you draft those guys in the first round. Uh, if they continue the role, the, the type of year that they had last year, you're, you're already up 100 points. 
Uh, the same with the quarterbacks. If they continue to have those types of years, you're up for 100 points. The thing is, it's not last year that we're talking about. We're talking about this year. It's which guys are going to repeat, which guys are going to stay injury-free. That's the thing. And it's uh, it's it's one of these ever-evolving um, enigmas, you know, uh, when you have these guys that break out and, and score like they scored last year. So, uh, going to be very very interesting to see if they kind of regress toward the middle a, a little bit. I would suppose most everybody would, except for Cam Newton, who's going to take over the league and claim his rightful throne uh, in the Super Bowl. So 347-324-5404 is the number. Uh, you're talking to Scott Atkins, Team Legacy, and Eric, my big man, uh, Balky Balkman, from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour that debuted a couple of weeks ago. It's a great show if you haven't checked it out every Friday night. Uh, regular start time is 10 p.m., right, Eric? That is correct. Yeah, we uh, we came on a little bit early tonight because we, uh, you know, we wanted to preview Genesis and then uh, you know have re- have Red versus Blue cover it. But yeah, uh, every uh, every Friday night, ten nine Central is when we'll be on. Now, myself and Dave Gerzak. Oh yeah, the 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 other guy. Yeah, I, I always forget his <laughs> name. I, I always forget his name, man. He's always on there, and uh, you know he, he cracks some funny jokes though. But uh, fancy knowledge, yeah, yeah, you gotta kind of just take uh, take caution. All right, let's, uh, let's break into the draft. Oh, go ahead, man. No, I was just going to say that you you, you kind of have to play the hand you're dealt. So I, I put up with the uh, with the awful fantasy advice and the lack of knowledge uh, in favor of the mediocre jokes he tells. It's 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 a it's an even exchange in my opinion. <laughs> Jason Tapley, the bottom fingers with the one pick. Let's start it off. We've got seven picks in the books. Uh, Bada Bingers uh, with a starting team. Let's, let's see how this rolls off the tongue. Let's, this is a roll-off-the-tongue test here. Tom Brady at quarterback, Arian Foster and C.J. Spiller at running back, Wes Welker, Jeremy Macklin, and Robert Meacham at wide receiver, along with Jared Cook. He almost had his starting lineup. He needs one more player, and uh, Robert Meacham and Jared Cook, a couple of unknown quantities there that have a lot of, uh, there's that U word, the upside that we talked about. Uh, Jared Cook seems like he's the, the ultimate fantasy tease at tight end. Every year it's the same story with this guy. Last three or four weeks of the year, he heats up and knocks it out of the park and then just disappears. So I don't know if it's a mental thing for him, if it's a skill or will thing. He definitely has the skill. The question is, does he have the books, uh, the, the smarts to be able to run and learn yet another offensive system? That's the thing. Uh, what do you think about uh, the Bottabinger's effort here, Eric? Well, I look at that team, and obviously I love the first three picks. I was on board for uh, Jeremy Macklin in round four. And then after that, I'm just kind of like, you know what? I think that Jason and I just differ on how we value these players. And, and you know, he took players that I would not have taken there. Um you look at C.J. Spiller. Well, Fred Jackson's coming off a pretty vicious injury, but when he was healthy last year, Spiller wasn't doing a whole lot. Robert Meacham, a guy who's battled to stay healthy uh, during his career in New Orleans. Now he gets a fresh start in San Diego as potentially the number one uh, target there, even over Antonio Gates. I mean, we don't know. We know Meacham is pedigreed. He was a first-round pick, and Gates is coming up on the end of his career. Certainly the, the easy thing to say right now is, well, Gates is going to get all the targets, but – we don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, Meacham could develop, uh, you know, quite the um, uh, connection with Phillip Rivers now that Vincent Jackson's out of there. So that could be a good pick. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. And then, again, Jared Cook, a tight end from Tennessee, a guy that, uh, you know, you alluded to it. We we hear him touted every year, and every year he disappoints. 
correct me if I'm wrong, and, and anybody in the chat room or anybody else can correct me if I'm wrong too, but I believe that when he started blowing up at the end of the season, it was when Jake Locker was at quarterback and not Matt Hasselbeck, and you got to believe that Jake Locker is going to take most of the snaps for the Titans this year. So that could end up being a really nice pick. Uh, there, getting Jared Cook with the first pick of the seventh round. Um, I'm not in love with it. I can get on board with it. Certainly not a not a train wreck way to start the draft. Uh, I think I think it's a fine effort by the Potterfingers. I'm gonna we're gonna have a special guest here in just a minute. Three four seven three two four five four zero four. I'm about ready to go on the clock. And uh, Eric, we've got the next team up as Rich. Rich Dunn with a team I'm going to let it roll off the tongue here. Drew Brees at quarterback. Ray Rice and Beanie Wells at running back. Bringing on Percy Harvin, Dez Bryant, and Reggie Wayne at wide receiver. Aaron Hernandez at tight end. One pick away from a starting lineup. What do you think so far? Well, I, I think Rich Dunn's got an interesting team here. You, you, let's look at it from top to bottom. Takes Ray Rice at the second overall pick. Nothing wrong with that. He could go first overall. I, you know, really good effort uh, there. I, I don't think that that took uh, a whole lot of uh, strategy and planning. Second round, Aaron Hernandez. He was the third tight end off the board and the second Patriots tight end off the board. So certainly uh, Rich Dunn, a fan of Aaron Hernandez this year, to take him with the second-to-last pick of the second round. I thought that was interesting. Um, again, a guy who battled some injuries last year, but when he was healthy, and I said it on the uh, HSFF show right before this, the Patriots by far and away led the team in two tight end sets. I don't see that changing. If the defense is improved, as Dave Gerzak said, um, maybe Brady doesn't throw for 5,000 yards this year. So you, you walk uh, with a little bit of caution with Aaron Hernandez. But, hey, if you like him, take him. Nothing wrong with that. We saw what the effect that tight ends can have on this league last year. Drew Brees uh, in the third round. Again, buying into the whole, oh, my gosh, the Saints are going to be awful this year at Bounty Gate. The fact that they're going to be losing a guy like Jonathan Vilma for the whole season and, and some other guys on the team as well, that just means Drew Brees is going to have to air it out even more. So I, I'm a fan of that pick. I have no problem with that there. Um, then you get in the receivers. Percy Harvin is your number one. Eh, well, I mean, if he stays healthy, he'll probably threaten 90 catches. Nothing wrong with that. Des Bryant is your number two in the fifth round. Definitely on board with that. Reggie Wayne, a little bit of an unknown quantity. I'm not sure what Andrew Luck's going to be like in Indy. I know he's eventually going to be good. I just don't know what he's going to be like in year one. Remember, the Colts um, took uh, Kobe Fleener in the first round, so they obviously love him, and that's who Luck spent four years throwing to at Stanford. So there's certainly a synergy, a connection already between Luck and Fleener. And, you know, Reggie Wayne's on the wrong side of 30. Uh, certainly you don't like that. But, hey, again, number three receiver. You know, those everybody's number three receiver is going to have a little bit of warts on them. There's nothing wrong with that. Chris Wells, uh, second pick of the seventh round, as his number two running back to pair with Ray Rice. Um, Greg Kellogg, when he called in before, alluded to, hey, Ryan Williams is still out there. That guy was going to be the starter last year till he tore his Achilles. That is a vicious thing to try to recover from. By the time the season rolls around, you'll be about 13, 14 months past when he tore that. Uh, it usually takes about 17, 18 months to fully recover. So, you know, obviously Ryan Williams might have some adjustment period, not only to get his legs back under him, but adjusting to the NFL as well. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. So, um, again, you're talking about a seventh-round pick. If he didn't have all those problems, he would have gone in the second round. So, uh, you know, as Rich, an interesting team there. Uh, certainly a lot of firepower can get a, a, a lot of points um, on uh, on an every-week basis. I, I don't think that there's um, 
a whole lot wrong with it. Again, not to, you know, just support every team and say, wow, all these teams are awesome. Um, there's teams I do like more than others. Um, and Rich Dunn, I think it's a solid team. It's a fine team. There's, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with it, um, and I think that you can definitely get on board with this team potentially winning a championship. So we'll have to see what that, uh, you know, how that goes. I want to move on to Recovery Boys since they drafted third, and this is a team I actually really like. Um, one of my favorites so far, if I was to pick, um, you know, my top two teams, they're definitely one or two. Shady McCoy and Jamal Charles. I, you remember, Jamal Charles tore his ACL really early in the season. He's going to be, uh, you know, essentially as uh, as fully recovered as you can be from that, um, tearing it the season before. So I really like him as your number two pick. I think he's going to have a great season. And obviously I believe Shady McCoy is going to have a great season as well. Look at the receivers. He waits till round three to draft his first one and still gets Hakeem Nicks, Marcus Colston, and Kenny Britt. Three beastly guys. Three guys who know how to use their body properly. Uh, guys that maybe don't have all the speed in the world, especially with Britt coming off that ACL tear. But guys who can catch the football, guys who are going to get a ton of targets, and guys who are going to put up a lot of fantasy points. God, I love that. I love being able to wait till round three and still getting those guys on the team. I mean, you look at it, I don't think any of those guys catch less than 70 balls this year. And, you know, they, they're all going to threaten 80. In fact, you know, one, maybe two of them are going to go over 80 catches. So there's nothing wrong with those receivers. I, you know, that, that might be the, the second-best trio of receivers we've seen here so far in the draft. So I love that. Javid Best, we already touched on. Uh, again, if he works out, boy, that is, uh, that's an electric team. Getting Selleck in the seventh, uh, you know, again, not a huge fan of that, but you have to look at what tight ends are off the board, what tight ends are available. Uh, I think you make the best of a bad situation there and, and get a starter there. So if your running backs and receivers are going to be that stacked, you got to be weak somewhere, and certainly his tight end is going to be weaker than a lot of others. But, man, that is a good team. Uh, and another good team is shaping up with you, uh, Scott. I, we didn't really talk about this, and we can get into it a little bit, but rounds five and six, you take Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker, Peyton Manning's uh, top two receivers in Denver. Certainly you're betting on a bounce-back year from Peyton Manning. Uh, talk a little bit about the rationale behind picking those guys back to back. I panicked. I went on tilt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I, I do live in Indy, so maybe there is a little bit of homer bias there. But my, my theory was with those picks that I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. And I was crossing my fingers that, that, that Don Thompson didn't break up this combo because I'm not sure if it's Demarius. I'm sort of leaning toward Eric Decker. Uh, but, but I thought that Demarius offered the um, – the, the, the type of uh, flavor that you'd, I'd love to see explode for a wide receiver three. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'll take Demarius and cross my fingers that I get Decker. Uh, will, will, will Peyton use them like he used his wide receivers? And he probably not. But at the same time, if, if he takes a liking to one of these guys, I just stole a top ten wide receiver at wide receiver 27, uh, 25 and 27. So I, I like my odds of being able to um, – to break into that top ten with one of those guys, not sure which one. So I'm going to bring in our our next special guest of the evening, uh, Shane Hallam from the Big F and Dynasty Show and all over Twitterverse. Shane, welcome to Red vs. Blue. What do you think about this draft, man? No, thanks for having me. It's, it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm always excited to see a draft go this early and something for this big of stakes. I think there's a lot of insight into what people want to do. So it's uh, it's educating me a bit, I'll say that. Shane Hallam joins us. Eric, uh, you, you, you've seen this draft unfold uh, this afternoon or, or this evening, and we're taking a look at a lot of different strategies. What, 
what question would you have for a guy like Shane, who's really on the dynasty side of the spectrum, uh, with how it affects your drafting and redraft? Well, Shane's uh, he's an intelligent guy. He'll be able to shift gears into redraft mode for this. But let me ask you this, Shane, uh, and I don't know if you have the draft in front of you, but look at some of these teams that have uh, two tight ends already, and, and how, how successful do you think that plan is going to be in an FFPC scoring system where you have a point and a half per catch? War Kittens with Gates and, and Finley, Azuri with Gronk and Vernon Davis, uh, Smokey's Doghouse with Brandon Pettigrew and Jermaine Gresham. They can start them every week. Uh, and Team Thompson, too, Jason Witten and Noah Daniels. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Are, are you taking tight ends early, and are you doubling up before round 10 on tight ends? Yeah, I actually love that strategy, and I actually, I actually like it when you, if you didn't get the Grams and the Gronks, if you didn't take those guys in the first round, then taking before round 10, making sure you get two guys with some upside, um, like Joel with with with, uh, with Pettigrew and Gresham. I think both those guys have upside uh, in this type of format to, to make that next step and take that next, next step to be a top five tight end. And so not only can you start both, but you had your best. Maybe one of those guys turns into the next, Jimmy Graham or has that type of season, and if you're grabbing that guy this late, uh, you're you're able to to work around with that. So I actually like that strategy a lot. I mean, the the Finley Gates uh, combo I think can work really well. We could play off each other with those. So uh, I mean, a 1.5 in this type of scoring, I think having multiple tight ends and the option to play them all is going to help some of these teams and lead one of them probably to a championship. Shane, I'm uh, I'm sitting here watching what Coyote Streakers is doing here. Uh, again, it's a, it's one of uh, we we always like to watch these guys who excel in the high stakes world. Um, Coyote Streakers, Mike Santos won the big payback league, won the varsity league. We're talking about five thousand dollar and three thousand dollar buy in leagues uh, last year for the last two years. So when you see his draft and you see somebody that is a consistent winner in the high stakes world, what do you think when you see those picks? Uh, like Ryan Matthews at six, Trent Richardson in the second, uh, Cruz, Halu, Antonio Brown, Fred Davis, Greg Little, the whole the whole gamut there. What 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 stands out to you about that draft? I mean, I think that's one of there's a couple drafts in here that feel to me like they're swinging for the fences, and I think I think that's one of them. I mean, I'm a big Roy Halu fan. I was a big fan of him uh, coming out of the draft. You know, that's my forte is, is grading prospects coming out of college. Yeah, I was a big fan of him and thought he fell a little bit too far, and I think we saw him pay dividends for the Redskins last season. I mean, that's the type of pick that you take him in the second to fourth round of a draft, and he could be a first-rounder next year. He could be top five, top seven in the league this year. Um, and, and I feel like all of his picks are that way. Antonio Brown has that upside. Greg Little has a lot of upside. Trent Richardson, obviously, a little bit of an unknown being a rookie. They haven't always been very successful consistently for a whole season. So, um, yeah, you know, I like that strategy. I said go big or go home, and that's what I feel like he's doing. We're talking to Shane Hallam, a special guest on Red vs. Blue tonight, co-hosted Eric Balkman tonight. I'm your host, Scott Atkins. Uh, our good buddy from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Mike Trent, is out for the evening, enjoying and celebrating, living it up in Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. Party start now. Uh, I'm looking at some other teams here. Obviously, Tommy Yates, another high-stakes champion, uh, $100,000 grand prize winner, starts off with LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, back from injury. Comes back with wide receivers Nix, Colston, and Britt. Now, to get Britt as your number three wide receiver seems like a coup a little bit, you know. You have Britt, and then he has as his number three running back uh, the Detroit Lions. 
uh, job at best and the McKella Shore. So he's kind of uh, backing himself up there. Very well-constructed team. What do you think, Shane, about Recovery Boys? Did we lose Yeah, Shane? I, I think this is one of my favorite teams. I like how he's you still there. Yeah, just just a little uh, – it might be the cell phone issue. Uh, no worries. Um, well, feel free to cut me off. But uh, this is one of my favorite teams that I've seen constructed so far. And uh, I, I, I like the early running back picks. I think that works out – that'll work out really well. Uh, taking some guys come back from injury. I mean, that's risky. Uh, we, we've seen Jamal Charles and, and obviously Kenny Brick have to come back from the injury well this year. I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to happen. Um, but if it does – uh, this is one of the deeper teams in the draft, and I'm the picks with the Detroit running backs. I mean, I'm probably not going to take them in many of my drafts, redraft or otherwise, but uh, I, I think both Javid Best and McKellis Shore, whichever one works out, will be big for their team. Eric, you've got uh, you've got teams all across the board here. Uh, one of the teams that you said you were rooting for was Donnie T. Azura. You were hoping to see Donnie T. take the Genesis draft. We're at eight rounds through. Do you think Donnie nailed it with those uh, those tight ends and running backs? Still has not got his quarterback, but there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, Donnie T is the uh, the unofficial uh, mascot, essentially, of the uh, HSFF hour. So I, I, I'm definitely rooting for his team. Um, and, again, I, you know, I thought he'd take uh, Rob Gronkowski. I thought that'd be a good pick for him in the second round. Well, he decided it was too good to pass up, so he took him in the first round. And he gets Sproles and Lynch on the second and third rounds. I'm not a huge fan of the Vernon Davis pick when, uh, you know, it gets to be round four and uh, you don't have a receiver. But getting Brandon Lloyd, Pierre Garçon, I mean, there's certain, uh, certainly something to be said for that. I'm not in love with the draft, but, again, I think this comes down to, to valuing different players uh, or valuing players differently. I'm not as huge a fan of Jacob Tammy and D'Angelo Williams this year. He happens to be. I've never been a Pierre Garçon guy, um, but Pierre Garçon's been proving me wrong the last couple of years. So, uh, there's something to be said for him. So I think it's a solid team. I don't like it as much as, say, again, like uh, Recovery Boys, who, again, just round nine, Phillip Rivers. Love it. You know, I absolutely love it. He's just knocking it out of the park tonight. Um, I don't love it as much as, uh, you know, uh, Chef Paul's free roll. I think that's a really good team. But Azuri, I mean, you can make a really good case that this is the best team. Um, I don't happen to subscribe to that theory, but I think it is a very good one that he's assembling. You basically think it's a solid team, could be the best team, but you don't like any of the players. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say I don't like any of the players because I do like Sproles and I do like Lynch and I love Gronk. I mean, I love all those guys, and I think Brandon Lloyd's going to be very good. Um, but, I, again, when you have all these pieces assembled together, it, it doesn't look too bad, Scott. It does not look too bad. Oh, we must have lost Shane. Shane, uh, thanks for calling in Red versus Blue. We Always a pleasure having you call in and get some solid analysis of some of these guys, especially as we get a little later in the show with some of the younger guys that I'm sure to be drafted. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. This is Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio. Scott Atkins and Eric Balkman bringing you the FFPC High Stakes Genesis Draft. This is the live play-by-play, pick-by-pick commentary draft. We do it every May, uh, right before the Derby. We're kicking it off with 12 of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And uh, we've got uh, the Fantasy Football Players Championship is sponsoring this event. If you don't know about them, myffpc.com is the address. If you don't know, you got to go 
Uh, MyFFPC.com is the address. Las Vegas is the place to be come September and opening weekend. It's not just opening weekend now, right, Eric? It's opening week. We get to go out there on Wednesday this year, and since the season kicks off on Wednesday night, so uh, and I don't leave till Sunday night or Monday morning. I don't think you guys leave till Tuesday, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that's correct. It, it's going to be epic. Now, Scott, little known fact: I've never even been to Vegas one weekend before, much less a week. Uh, so it's it's going to be crazy for me out there, you know, seeing everybody, meeting everybody in person. Uh, all these people I've been slamming on message boards and uh, and uh, and uh, radio shows over the years uh, to see them in person. So uh, maybe it's not good for my health that I go, but hopefully uh, uh, it, it'll end up being okay. It's Vegas, right? I mean, that stuff's bound to happen anyway. So be very excited. It's going to be a hell of a week. Uh, I'm going to need another two weeks to recover from it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a great time. Oh, man, you're going to love it. I know we've drafted in Chicago before. We've drafted in Kentucky. Uh, you're going to – when you go to Vegas, it takes it to that that next level, that top tier that uh, you it, you only hear stories about. So I'm uh, very excited for you, my man. It's going to be uh, a whole lot of fun. Let's, let's continue to break down these drafts. I think a, a name we have to bring up is John Duckworth and War Kittens getting Peyton Manning, waiting until nine rounds to get his Manning. Two picks later, Chef Paul takes Ted Manning, Eli Manning. So let's break down War Kittens and Chef Paul. You start us off with War Kittens, and I am on the clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, War Kittens' team as well. I'm, um, I, you know, I would say I, I probably like uh, pre-roll and recovery a little bit better, but War Kittens is right up there. I mean, my God. Let, let's just analyze this, um, and we'll do it the legacy way. Start with the quarterback first, Peyton Manning. Um, a guy I'm not sold on, but, again, I don't have to be sold on a guy to be taking him in round nine now because the core of my team is already established. So whether or not Peyton Manning is fully healthy and all the way back, it's kind of irrelevant in round nine because you can get a decent quarterback in the next few rounds or two quarterbacks and just play quarterback roulette um, and not worry about Peyton Manning if he's not back. If he's back, wow, what a value in round nine that you're going to get you know, essentially the number seven quarterback off the board and get top four type numbers. So, you know, I like that pick in round nine. No problem with it. Running back, Darren McFadden coming off an injury. Um, it's a little iffy, but, again, the the ceiling on there is so high. Uh, it's a second-round pick. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I like it. Not a huge fan of the Jordan Screen Ellis um, in round seven, but it doesn't matter because I think the true no, number two running back on that team is James Starks. Green Bay, and remember, I, I live a stone's throw from Green Bay. They haven't really looked at anybody. They didn't draft anybody. They didn't sign anybody. It's, and Ryan Grant is probably gone. So in that backfield, it's James Stark and it's Brandon Saints, and it's, it's not a whole lot else right there. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Starks could be a bell cow-type running back there, and when you're talking about getting him in round eight, what's not to love about that? Um, I know, Scott, you, you are a big fan of the Tory Smith pick. Um, I, I'm not as high on him. Certainly an electric talent, a guy who really came on. Uh, the second half of 2011, and he could carry that over. I have, um, you know, just some misgivings about playing in, in a run-based offense with Joe Flacco at the quarterback. He proved me wrong last year. He could prove me again, uh, prove me wrong again this year. And again, it's his number three receiver, so uh, I think it's okay. I'm just not a huge fan of it. Like Calvin, or love Calvin with the uh, number five pick, and I like Steve Johnson in the fifth round. Um, and to boot, you can still start Antonio Gates and Jermichael Finley uh, every week, guys who were being taken at the end of the first round uh, last year. So great values there. I like War Kitten's team. 
Um, when, you, when you can go to battle, essentially, with Peyton Manning, James Starks, Darren McFadden, Calvin, Steve Johnson, Corey Smith, uh, Antonio Gates, and Jermichael Finley, I mean, that is one hell of a core right there. So I'm a big fan of Ward Pitton's team. Uh, I'm not a fan of John Duckworth. <laughs> Even though we've just uh, we've consummated a couple of dynasty trades over the years, uh, he's always um, seems to be getting the best of those deals. So uh, John Duckworth, crafty veteran, don't mess with them because they'll bite your head off. But a really nice guy. <laughs> All right, that leaves me with uh, Jeff Paul's breakdown. Eli Manning in the ninth, your Super Bowl MVP, the Mr. Underrated, always underappreciated Eli Manning. I, I tell you, I don't know if there's ever been a guy who, who can throw for 4,900 yards, 29 touchdowns, and get drafted in the ninth round. I mean, it's almost kind of like that Stafford thing we saw. You, you throw for 5,000 yards and you get no love, no respect. Um and it just doesn't make sense because they've loaded him up again with weapons. Uh, he's, he's got weapons on all, you know, all around him to throw to, including a rookie that they absolutely love. So, you know, I, it just doesn't make sense why they continue to disrespect this guy that does so much in the league. And it seems like he's really turned the corner. You, you don't see the the types of games we used to see. I mean, the guy only threw. Um, where's the interceptions here? It, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I guarantee you that. Eli Manning. Yeah, 16 touch, 16 INTs to 29 touchdowns. He's doubling it up. So it's not the same Eli that you used to see. Um, he, he's a he's a winner, and he's a big-time performer in the fourth quarter. If the game's on the line and it needs to be a drive, it used to be Peyton that would get it done, and it may still be, but Eli's right there with him. So I love being able to wait and take your quarterback. That approach is proving to still work. Um, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, Sean Green as your three running backs. Um, hmm. Chris Johnson seemed to disappear last year. I hope that Jake Walker maybe opens up this offense a little bit and spreads it out. With the return of Kenny Britt, you would have to think that has to help Chris Johnson uh, to not have those games. But there were games he absolutely disappeared. I mean, he was the bust of last year's first round. So to see somebody take another shot after he just totally collapsed for everybody last year, uh, and when I say collapse, I mean, look, it was it was a top pick in the first round. When you when you take a top pick in the first round, you don't expect to be 150 points behind the other top running back, you know, or or 100 points behind the number two running back. You expect him to be up there in the top five, and he was 50 points away from top five, so wasn't very close. Uh, and if you had him early on, you were pretty much out of contention. Some of those some of those figure games were, were later in the season when it was too late. Uh, Matt Forte contract issues. You have to think that he. He is uh, he is playing on week one uh, with the addition of Michael Bush there in Chicago. Sean Green, uh, the Sean Green special, man, from last year, it didn't work out for a lot of us that uh, that took him. Uh, and it was kind of against our better judgment. But you know what? Rex Ryan ground and pound just wasn't there last year. Let's see if they return to it. Tony Sperano, uh, Sean Green as a RB3 is much better than what we saw last year when people were taking him in the third late second, mid-third uh, rounds we saw last year. Big difference. So definitely don't hate the pick when you can get him in the sixth round. Uh, then you've got wide receivers. Mike Wallace, stud. Steve Smith for uh, Carolina, stud. Dwayne Bowe, stud. So when Dwayne Bowe is your number three wide receiver, you've got to like uh, your wide receiver positions. Following up with a Mike Williams in the eighth. So very heavy running back and wide receiver. Tight end, Tony Gonzalez, the ultimate professional. Uh, there's not a lot to not like about Chef Paul Seymour. Totally agree. Um, I, you know, again, uh, I, I think the receivers are the strength of this team. 
Uh, and that's uh, how Chef Paul's going to win a lot of games this year. You know, you alluded to the top three. He took Mike Williams as his number four, so there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, I, I, You know, I'm not, I'm not as big into the running backs as you are. Um, I, I think Forte is going to be fine. I think if it wasn't for this contract thing, he would have gone in the first round. And Chris Johnson, um, if he bounces back, uh, which in my opinion is a little bit bigger of an if than a lot of people think it is, uh, then, then he's a solid first-round pick, not an electric one, which is usually what I like to get for my first-rounders. So, uh, But I love the Eli Manning pick. Uh, we call it uh, Kurt Warner syndrome on the HSFF show, where the, the receivers that he's throwing to go crazy high, and then he falls way low. It just doesn't make any sense. He should have gone higher, um, and I think he's going to have a really nice season. And then, again, uh, not a huge fan of Cody Gonzalez. Uh, one of these years he's going to completely fall off the map. I think you saw a little bit of it last year. Um, solid, not sexy. I mean, I probably wouldn't have taken there. I probably would have found somebody with, uh, with the U word upside uh, there instead. So, um, not not loving Chef Paul's uh, team as as much as the others, but no doubt uh, among the strongest receivers in this league. Uh, we've scanned through half of the teams. This is the FFPC Live Genesis Draft, hosted by the FFPC and brought to you on Red versus Blue. Scott Atkins and Eric Baldwin bringing you the uh, pick-by-pick commentary draft tonight. Uh, we've seen, uh, we've talked about Azuri. Uh, let's take a closer look at Jules' team. We touched on it earlier in the program when she brought up or when she took Doug Martin in the fourth round. It seems like everybody's kind of a fan of that pick. Uh, let's start at the very top, see how it rolls off the tongue. Tony Romo at quarterback, again, waiting till the eighth round. It's interesting to see that half of the team took their quarterback and, and the other half uh, did not. That seems to be the kind of the trend this year with the top six quarterbacks um, that are that are going off. Tony Romo in the eighth at quarterback. MJD Doug Martin at running back. That's your starters, your wide receiver starters: Greg Jennings, Julio Jones, and Vincent Jackson. And then she has uh, Brandon Pettigrew at tight end, and she has several flex options here. She's got kind of like you said the rainbow effect going on: Jermaine Gresham, Lance Moore, or Shane Vereen. She can rotate those guys in and out based on matchups, health, uh, and situation. Uh, what do you think about Jules McClain's Smokey Doghouse uh, in this draft? What's she done so far? I like the construction of it, uh, just not um, maybe the players that she took, if, that, if that's the best way of saying it. Um, so you start off with MJD, uh, a guy I, I, I like. I mean, I care about his age. I think he's going to be fine. He led the NFL in rushing last year. Even if he drops off a little bit this year, he's still going to be well worth the first-round pick. Greg Jennings, um, a lot of mouths to feed in Green Bay. I, I probably would have taken a guy who is the man uh, on the team rather than him. With Jordy Nelson emerging last year, Jermichael Finley out there, um, Aaron Rodgers is a talented enough quarterback where he can spread it around. Uh, Julio Jones, I thought was a solid uh, pick in round three, if unspectacular. Remember, there's still Roddy White, who, you know, on that offense, who led the NFL in catches last year. Um, and, you know, Julio Jones is the number two on Atlanta, and he's also the number two on Jules' team as well. Uh, Doug Martin, um, a lot of upside there, a guy who could really have a, a, a awesome breakout season. But, again, not not the greatest of offenses in Tampa. We saw Josh Freeman regress a little bit last year. And if you want to get to the basics of football, I construe that to meaning defense and, and the running game. And if you do that, uh, it's not going to be uh, a, uh, an offense that runs up and down the field and scores a lot of points. Good for Doug Martin's touches, not necessarily for his productive touches. 
Uh, Vincent Jackson, again, on the same team, you're putting um, a lot of eggs in a basket, uh, in an offensive basket where we really don't know what we have in, in Tampa yet. Um, Pettigrew and Gresham, I mean, that's solid. I like Brandon Pettigrew. Uh, and Jermaine Gresham, I, I'm kind of starting to warm up to. I think that he's going to take another step forward this year, uh, just like that whole Cincinnati offense will take a step forward this year. So I can get on board with that. Love the Romo pick in the eighth round. I think um, if you had to do it over again, um, you know, a lot of these teams might have waited a little bit longer on quarterbacks. Um, not talking about you, Scott. <laughs> I think Cam Newton in the second round is fine. Um, and then Lance Moore, I love Shane Vereen. Uh, you know, if you could start him on the right weeks when Bill Belichick uses him, which is probably only going to be about four, maybe five good weeks he has this season, um, you know, it, it'll work out. But it's tough because you, you never know when he's going to blow up. You look at some of these other teams, number three backs, Roy Helu and Frank Gore and, um, you know, Mark Ingram and, and guys like that. And then you have Shane Vereen as your number three. And, you know, I'm not loving that. So. Again, I think you look at this team, it's got a lot of potential to be great, but it's got more question marks than I would probably be comfortable with if it was my team. But it's not. It's Jules' team. Oh, that's my entire team. I love question marks. That's what I do. I, I gather them up and uh, just, just see what sticks. Let's keep going. We have, uh, we've broken down uh, quite a few teams so far. Uh, who have we not taken a look at? Uh, Mike Krusek. I think we need. It, it's time to, to take care of. Uh, take a look at his team, man. Um, we talked about getting Matt Stafford in the sixth round. We thought that was excellent value. Probably the biggest value pick of the draft so far is Matthew Stafford. That's mine. Uh, do you see another one that somewhat compares here, Eric? I'm looking. Um, well, again, I'm really high on James Stark, so I think getting him in the eighth round for a guy who, in my opinion, can threaten to be a top 15 running back this year, I think that's a really good value. I really like that. A lot of um, a lot of these receivers, too, I'm really liking the, the depth uh, that, that's available there. I like Mike Williams in the eighth round as your number four. Um, I like Lance Moore in the ninth uh, as your number four. I mean, that that's really good as well. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of good receiver values out there, too. Um, not a lot of value with tight end and running back, in my opinion, um, because I think those are the two positions that it seems most of these teams really concentrated on and let the receivers and the quarterbacks fall. Um, and there's depth there. I mean, Phillip Rivers in the ninth round. My God, I love that. And, you know, not to keep talking about Tom Yates, but I really like that team. We can talk about um, Mike Kruchek's team, because, which is what we were doing, because I really like that team as well. I think he's building a really good team there, Scott. Absolutely. I, I think when you when you take a look again, I, I, I said Stafford was the value of the draft. I also think Willis McGahee, picked by Don Thompson in the eighth round, you talk about McGahee having had a pretty decent comeback year last year in the, in the second half of the season, and now he's got a real quarterback that's not going to bolster his touchdowns. Uh, there's a lot more momentum there going for Willis McGahee, even though he's in the twilight of his career. I still think there's a nice big season left for Willis McGahee. So eighth round, I kind of like that pick as well. But Matt Stafford at, at quarterback, Bradshaw Turner, there's another value pick right there. Get out the net, man. Michael Turner in the fifth round, a top ten running back. Nothing's really changed for Michael Turner uh, when you talk about, uh, except that he's one year older. He played through the entire season, uh, didn't miss any games, came out of there with another 300-carry season, a respectable four-and-a-half yards per carry. Uh, still doesn't catch the ball. You know that's not what you're getting, but that offense is improving, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt to see that the, the touchdowns even improve for this guy. 11 touchdowns is a big number, but for Michael Turner and that offense, it, it, I think it could still continue. So 
Uh, we've got Turner, Stafford is value. Jordy Nelson uh, could be, you know, he's a 1A for Greg Jennings on, on the Packers offense, so that's value. Uh, well, you know, there's not a lot you can say wrong with that team. Mark Ingram uh, as your RB3, a lot of people are predicting him to be kind of that breakout player. We're still waiting on Lou, Lou from BFD, their breakout of the player of the year. So he's doing a lot of things. I'm on the clock, Eric, so you take this wherever you want to take it. Everybody's in the chat room. Pick a team and let it rip. Well, before we move on to another team, I, I want to continue a few thoughts uh, on Chef Paul's free roll team that, that I really like because this um, is, uh, again, if I had to pick two top teams, it's Recovery Boys and Chef Paul's free roll. I really like the way that his team's shaping up. Um, Michael Turner, now, and, and I'm not – I'm in the minority here, but everybody wants to talk about, oh, my God, he's got how many carries on him. He carries the ball a ton every year. Yeah, he had three or four seasons where he had a ton of carries, but remember, he spent the first three or maybe even even four seasons out in San Diego running behind LT when San Diego didn't let anybody carry the ball other than LT. So it's not like he has a ton of overall mileage on those tires. Last few seasons, he's had a few, but – you know, he's still – you're talking about taking a guy in round five and rush for over 1,300 uh, yards and 11 touchdowns last year. I mean, I think that – I love that value. Um, and that's not even the strength of the team. Um, the strength of the team is Fitz, A.J., and Jordy. Jordy Nelson finished, uh, I believe, is the number five or six receiver. I mean, it was crazy high where he finished in PPR formats last year. Uh, for sure top ten. And, again, you're getting him in round four. I love that. Um Matthew Stafford, Scott already talked about being the uh, value of the draft in round six, and and I'm not I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback high, but you certainly can't go wrong with a guy who's throwing to Calvin Johnson, Brandon Pettigrew, uh, and who threw for five thousand yards last year. And remember, Stafford was the number one overall pick, so he's obviously pedigreed, and um, there's a, a lot of good reasons to like him. Um, let's talk about the backup running backs there, and Mark Ingram and Stephon Ridley. Uh, Ingram is a guy who, again, was going in the second round, third round last year. Everybody, and again, you know, Trent Richardson, that's where he went this year. In this draft, um, I, I'm just looking at it right now, he went in the middle of the second round. So, uh, And Ingram tumbles all the way down to round seven this year, uh, was shelved at the end of last year because I believe of a toe injury. So as long as he's back and healthy, I don't think he's a special talent, but I think being the starting running back, in an electric offense like New Orleans is going to give him the opportunity to score 10 touchdowns easy. He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, and you're talking about him as your number three running back. It's not a guy who has to be an every-week start for you. Stevon Ridley, I, I talked about Shane Vereen and, and knowing when to play him on, on the weeks when Bill Belichick decides to use him. I think that the reason Ridley went two rounds before Vereen is you've already seen he's more of a known quantity. You kind of know what you're getting with him. And of all the running backs on the Patriots roster, he's probably, and again, it's not easy, but it's probably easy, yes, to predict when he's going to have a good game. So you can probably start him with confidence on, on a lot of weeks, much more so than you could with, you know, whoever else New England has. If they end up sending Ryan Grant, uh, Shane Vereen, uh, Kevin Falk, if he comes back. You know, there's there's a lot of question marks there. I don't think uh, Ridley's uh, as big a one. Um Number one tight end, Greg Olson, eh, you know, you could probably do better, but when you're stacking running backs and receivers like that, you really don't have the room to put a tight end on the roster. Uh, Greg Olson is going to have Cam Newton throwing to him, and, and we already talked about how Cam Newton could really take another big step forward and, and make uh, Carolina's offense elite. If he does that, Greg Olson's going to be a big part of it. So uh, another good uh, high-ceiling pick there in round nine. A guy who was a former first-round pick, by the way, and went to the U where they churn out tight ends like a bodily function. 
Uh, Santana Moss in round 10, we really don't know what his role is going to be on Washington. I mean, he could be cut from Washington, but I think he's still talented up wherever he catches on. He's going to be valuable. And, again, he's the number four receiver for Chef Paul's free role, so you really don't you really don't have to uh, count on him for a whole lot there. And then you couple that Ridley pick with uh, Danny Woodhead, so now you have essentially two-thirds of, of the meaningful New England backfield. Um, that, that's a solid way to do it. Uh, just start Bradshaw Turner and those receivers out there. Start Ridley. Uh, and or Woodhead on those bye weeks, and, and I think you'll be okay. Um, you probably need a little bit more depth at tight end, but uh, overall a really good uh, really good team there for Mike Krushek and Chef Paul's free roll. Man, that was some breakdown. You guys got to give it up for Eric Baldwin. You got to remember he had an hour before this show, and now we're doing another two-hour show on Red versus Blue. Way to go, dude. This is uh, making it so much easier on me to take these terrible picks that I keep taking, man. I said it last year. I'm like, I'm never going to draft and commentate again because every time I do, uh, it ends up like crap. And, you know, I either luck out or, or I just suck. So uh, it's another one of these drafts for me. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, you, you just get on tilt and you just keep rolling with it. I've taken several flyers, several question marks. Pretty much every pick I've taken, it seems like every pick I'm looking at has question marks, and every pick that's taken around me is a solid pick. That's that's kind of how it feels. So when you're on tilt, that's how you know. Um, I don't I don't I don't like anything about my team after the sixth round. Uh, when I when I when I was so thin at running back through six rounds, only having one. This is an example of how not to construct your team. Uh, because otherwise, <laughs> if, if Isaac Redman is the starter and Mendenhall stays away because of that ACL, it was a late-season ACL, we may be able to see Isaac Redman hang on to that job, and the Steelers' job is a good one to have. So I'm not too worried about my spot. But after that, it just all went to hell. You know, Winslow and Cooley, a tight end. I mean, these are the this is the uh, decrepit uh, geriatrics here for, um, for for tight ends. I don't know how they're going to do. Winslow still put up 75 catches. He can do that again. I think the offense will be a little bit better. I think he might score more than his two touchdowns that he had last year. Uh, same with Cooley. Uh, they're both healthy for now, but we'll see how long those knees hold up uh, at their age. I took another knee in Ryan Williams. Uh, you know, he tore his patellar last year. As soon as I named my team the Ryan Williams Experience, the very next day he tore tears his patellar. So that I got that going for me. And then I take another uh, washed-up uh, has-been in Anquan Bolden. He's 32 years old, and uh, he's got Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. So, you know, uh, Alex Green, maybe that's my best pick of the draft. I hope so. Lance is in the chat room. Alex Green is his guy. Maybe Maybe I did something right there. Yeah, I think I, I'm a big, bigger fan of your team than you are, Scott. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm just looking at it here and, um, you know, just breaking it down. Cam Newton at quarterback, you can't do much better than that. I have no problem with that. Reggie Bush, again, I love it. You know, he's been bitten by the injury bug, but we saw last year what he can do when he stays healthy, so there's nothing wrong with him in the early third. I like Isaac Redman's situation more than I like his talent. Remember, when Mendenhall right. went down last year, Isaac Redman was a really hot waiver wire pickup, and then he kind of yep. disappointed, didn't do a whole lot. And you can't put it all on him. I think you put it on how bad that Pittsburgh offensive line is. Remember, they used the first-round draft pick this year on the guard from Stanford, David DeCastro, and that's going to improve. You're going to have Marquise Pouncey coming back. I mean, and Doug Ligurski was playing out of position last year. It's it's a solid offensive line now. You know, I, I, it's it, it's not sexy. It's not great. It's not good, but it's solid. So I, I think Redmond, and again, I don't think there's any way Mendenhall is ready for week one. I think you could book 
him at a minimum, best case scenario, being pup listed right away, and then maybe he comes back in the middle part of the season. But he, Isaac Redmond's the guy there. I mean, they didn't they didn't draft anybody. They got Jonathan Dwyer, who's been a disappointment. John Clay, uh, who his middle name should be disappointment. I mean, it's just it's 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 not. I mean, he's the guy. There's there's nobody else they can rely on there. I mean, it's Redmond's show. So I like him. I like getting Ryan Williams in round nine. I think, um, you know, again, you might uh, have a, a, a rough first month, but he's your third running back. So not uh, a ton to worry about there. And Alex Green is kind of a dark horse. We don't really know what he's going to be. What we do know is he had a great career in Hawaii, and he can catch passes out of the backfield, and he's playing in an elite offense. Not a bad way to spend a 12th-round pick. Like K2, uh, as far as getting him in round eight, a guy who's a tight end who's going to catch 75, you know, 70 passes, whatever, um, in a one-and-a-half point-per-catch league. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then Chris Cooley is the backup. So, dude, I mean, like, and, and we didn't even talk about your receivers. Andre Johnson, stud, Brandon Marshall, beast, Demarius Thomas, a really sexy pick there. And then Eric Decker, who, again, Peyton Manning's been talking about how much he likes Decker and, and how talented he thinks he is. Um, and, and the final point I'll make about your team, not to keep talking about your team, I don't think, now Torrey Smith went in the mid-sixth round. You got Anquan Bolden in the early tenth. I don't see a four-round difference in what their final points are going to be at the end of the year. I just don't. I, I think that Bolden was a good value. I thought Torrey Smith is a little bit of a reach. Um, Bolden has, yeah, he's 32, but he's never really, his game has never, as long as he's been in the NFL, it's never been predicated on speed and, and youthfulness. It's, his game is about physicality, it's about separation, it's about being strong. And just because he turned 32 doesn't mean you lose any, much less all of that. So I still think he's going to be great this year. Getting him in round 10 as your number five receiver, dude, that's filthy. Let's take a beer break. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to take a break. We've been going uh, for a long time. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back on Red versus Blue. Uh, we'll give you some tunes to listen to and a few ads. Here you go. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? How do you think white people always get ahead? Because we cheat all the time. I mean, because they cheat all the time. This is Bill Belichick, coach of the New England Patriots. He's won three Super Bowls. How? He cheated. He even got caught cheating, and nobody cared. Bill Belichick proved that in America it's okay to cheat as long as you cheat your way to the top. Hey, I don't want to be called a cheater. No, no. If you cheat and fail, you're a cheater. If you cheat and succeed, you're savvy. This is bullshit. I don't want to waste my time learning to cheat. Go ahead. The door's right there. Bye-bye, Hafon. We will miss you. How do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? Just before the last Super Bowl... Bill Belichick gathered his football players and said, Let's win this one for real. Just this one time. Let's not cheat. You know what happened? They lost. Even if you feel all eyes are upon you, you cannot give up on cheating, or else you can lose the biggest game of your lives. <laughs> 
Akbar, Red versus Blue, High Stakes Radio. Scott Atkins, your host, and Eric Balkman coming in from the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. Uh, they absolutely rocked it uh, the hour before the show here. Uh, thanks for Eric for being on and saving my life tonight. Uh, Mike, our big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, pulled a no-call, no-show, showing at the Derby, said he'd be here. But uh, we got by just fine, thanks to uh, Mr. One Eric Balkman. So, Eric, we've had uh, one hell of a night so far. We're already into the 13th round, so these picks are all kind of blurring together for me. What should you be thinking about as a high-stakes player here? Should you be looking for contributors? Uh, should you be looking for depth? What type of decision-making should we be employing here at this point in the draft? Yeah, man, it's it, it's all about depth. Um, when you look at um, the the best way to win, it's it, it to win these fantasy leagues, the best way to do it is to cover up for as many mistakes as possible. And that's a bad way of looking at it, but that's kind of how teams win. In other words, there's the majority of these players right now in this draft have whiffed on a top four pick or a top five pick, um, and, and probably maybe each of them has whiffed on one of those picks. So what you need to do is you need to be able to combat those whiffs. Injuries are going to happen. Um, you know, roles are going to change. We're drafting in May. I mean, we really don't know how all these teams are going to shape up when the end of August rolls around. So to me – the approach I take at this point in the draft is I'm all about stacking. You know, I'm not worried about kickers. I'm not even worried about defenses. You can tell these are experienced players. We don't have a kicker or defense off the board here, and we're in the middle of the 13th round. I'm not going to worry about those till the very end. Um, I'm going to worry about getting some, some depth at tight end. If I have two already, I, I might not even touch that position anymore. I might be good on it. Um, you can never, in my opinion, you can never have enough running backs. You can never have enough receivers. You can have enough quarterbacks. You can have enough tight ends. So I'm all about stacking the backs and the wideouts right now. I mean, I think that's, that gives you your easiest path to victory because it's going to give you the most opportunity to cover up for injuries when they hit your team, and they will hit your team. But I'll tell you what, uh, when, you're, when you're drafting against guys and gals like this, I'm scrolling through here, and I see absolutely nothing. You know, there's nothing. Now, I'm sure they're out there. Uh, the guys, the steals are out there. It's round 13, but I just don't see it. I'm looking. I'm 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 scrolling through the list. I'm trying to find something, but I don't see anything that will amount to much without you know significant injury. I mean, yeah, you could have, uh, you know, I don't know. Let me throw out a name here, like a Cedric Benson, come back to life somewhere because he's, you know, he he signed to a team and you know they they need him now. Um, will it work out? Man, who wants to draft a Cedric Benson? Well, maybe maybe it's the type of pick that you need to do here. Um, I, I just don't see a lot because of the quality of competition. This isn't your hometown league. These are the best in the world at what they do. They are uh, professional drafters. They put their money where their mouth is. They go to Vegas. They do, they're doing 10, 20, 30 leagues a year, some more than that. Some Dave Hubbard, we had him on. He said he'd have over 100 leagues last year or this year, and and we've had Chad Schroeder on that does 100, and they have a consortium of people helping them with lineup decisions. I mean, these are the addicts of the world, and I love it. I mean, I love being a part of it. I love being a, a small part and, and playing in, in, you know, I don't play nearly as many leagues as these guys, but I love to just absorb it, you know, all year round. So that's why we do these shows. And here I am getting ready to go on the clock, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Well, you go ahead and make your pick, and, and I want to talk a little bit about what, what I've just kind of seen as a trend in this draft in the last four rounds. So uh, starting with round 10, uh, as to where we are right now, 46 players have gone off the board. 
um, the majority of them have been at uh, the running back position. You're talking about, um, you know, I think 22 or 23 running backs going off the board. I think we may have just witnessed this league being won. And, and the reason I say it is because, you know, one or two of these running backs is going to be huge in fantasy this year. And we just don't know it yet because the situation hasn't developed. Um, let's just look at this team by team. Bada Bingers takes David Wilson in round 11. Ahmad Bradshaw has paper ankles. You know, David Wilson could play a huge role for the Giants uh, this season. And, he, you know, Bada Bingers gets him in round 11. Look at uh, Rich Dunn, what he's done. He's used all four of his picks from rounds 10 through 13, all on running backs. Felix Jones, a guy who was a second-round pick last year, he gets him there uh, in the round 10. Round 11, he takes Ronnie Hillman, a guy who is the 1B to the 1A of Willis McGahee in what should be an elite offense in Denver. Kendall Hunter, uh, who we you know imagine is going to be the handcuff to Frank Gore, uh, he gets him in round 12. If Frank Gore sits or if he goes down, Kendall Hunter's the man to own. And then DeLon Carter. We really don't know what the Indianapolis backfield is going to look like. Why not fire a bullet at, at it and take DeLon Carter? Nothing wrong with that in round 13. Jacquez Rogers, once Michael Turner, um, you know, his workload load is reduced, that means Rogers is going to have an increased workload, more touches for him. Recovery Boys gets him in round 12. Uh, Glenoration X gets Peyton Hillis and Pierre Thomas. Peyton Hillis, remember, a third-round, second-round pick last year, and Pierre Thomas, who could see some starts for New Orleans in an elite offense. This is double-digit rounds that these guys are getting him in. Move on to War Kittens. Donald Brown, he could start for the Colts. Round 11, Richard Mendenhall. Again, I, I don't think you expect much for him at the start of the season, but he's War Kittens' fifth running back, a guy that you can keep on your roster till week seven, week eight, when he starts getting touches for Pittsburgh again. Um, Coyote Streakers takes uh, Michael Bush in round 10, a guy who's going to see significant action uh, in the Bears' backfield, a guy they went out and signed. It wasn't a guy that just, you know, they signed for the league minimum. They got him early in free agency, so they obviously like him. He's going to get the opportunity to succeed. And Isaiah Pede in round 13, a guy who maybe is being groomed to be the starting running back in St. Louis in, in, uh, in 2013 or 2014, still going to see a lot of playing time this year. It goes on. Chef Paul, Daniel Thomas and Ryan Grant, two upside picks, but nothing compared to the value he got in round 12, Toby Gerhardt, a guy I believe is going to be the starting running back for the Vikings to start the season. I'm not of the belief that Adrian Peterson is going to be ready to go right away. I know Greg Kellogg believes he's going to be fine. Um, I'm still a little, uh, you know, a little cautious with that. He tore his ACL late in the season. I know he's running right now, but I'm still not convinced that he's going to be ready to go and be the AP of old uh, in week one. I like that Gerhardt pick in round 12. Um, Jules McQueen, Smokey's Doghouse, Shane Vereen, Evan Royster, Rashad Jennings. A lot of upside there. Nothing wrong with that. Azuri, Kevin Smith, Mike Tolbert. Mike Tolbert, remember, we don't really don't know what the Carolina backfield is going to be. That could end up being a great pick. Chef Paul's free roll, Danny Woodhead, Brandon Jacobs, guys who are going to get touches and carries in those backfields and guys you can feel okay starting on a bye week. Uh, Legacy gets Alex Green, a guy who can catch passes and, and could play a very big role uh, in uh, in the Green Bay offense. Sports betting man loves them. So, you know, if, if that's the case, you got to love Alex Green there. And, and I like that pick in round 12. And then, of course, LeGarrette Blount in round 11 goes to Team Thompson. Uh, Doug Martin's getting all the press there. But remember, he's a rookie. You know, there there still could be significant action for LeGarrette Blount there. So I'm really loving what these teams are doing in rounds 10 to 13. Folks, this is why they're the best of the best, because they're able to see this value and get it on their team before it's scooped up by everybody else. Uh, just 
really uh, fun to watch, and and I don't I don't want to praise them too much, but it's really amazing to see you know a collection of smart fantasy minds um, all collectively acting on this all at once and, and scrambling to get those difference makers, uh, the guys that you don't know it, but uh, they might have just won the league after they drafted them. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We're uh, we're live at the FFPC Genesis Draft. I got to take a look at some bye weeks. Make sure you have the bye week covered. That's one thing that we don't draft a lot of in the early parts. Most high stakes drafters, they will tell you they ignore bye weeks for the most part, uh, and they might it might break a tie for you if it's a coin flip. If it's a true coin flip, and you've got only one running back, and you're like, man, I. I need to get another one. I don't want them both off because these are, you know, these head-to-head leagues that you play in uh, are, are real important to uh, not fall behind in the in the win-losses. The total points leagues, it's a little easier. You don't have to worry about the bye weeks as much in the total points leagues because you can have a bad week. You'll still make it up with the points. Uh, but uh, it, the, that's why the format is very important that you know what's going on uh, for each particular league that you have, the scoring system, the lineup rules, the waiver setup. Everything's important. Do you have a waiver window before the start of the season? If you do, can you construct your team in the 20 rounds a little bit differently? Do you have to take a kicker in a defense? Can you pass and whip on that and then pick it up in the waiver wire or forget to pick them up in the waiver wire like I did last year and put yourself in a big hole uh, try to find a way to fight out of that? So very interesting strategies that we've seen here tonight. I want to take a look at team construction. Uh, that's what I, I, I always like to study, team construction. And I'm going to start uh, right here at the top left, of the, the left side of the board, and start with Jason Tapley and the bottom bingers. Uh, he decides to take a quarterback in the first six rounds, but does not take a tight end there. So he's only taking one position out of the uh, the running back wide receiver uh, in the first six rounds. Now, how many times do we see that? We see that once. Uh, we see that in recovery boys, not at all. Not a single non-running back wide receiver in the sixth round or in through, through six rounds. Uh, Glenn Lowy takes two. Jimmy Graham and Vic. Uh, As Rich took two. Aaron Hernandez and Breeze. Uh, Warkins, two. Antonio Gates and Finley. Uh, Coyote Streakers, uh, not one to take a risk there. Only takes one, and that's a tight end. Jeff Paul, not any at all. Brandon Pettigrew uh, for, for Jules, only one tight end. One non-running back wide receiver. Azuri has two. Jeff Paul has one. Uh, I had one, and then Team Thompson had two. So, you know, it's funny. It's interesting to see that everybody's kind of doing either one or two non-running back wide receiver. But, you know what's interesting? You don't see any three. You don't see you don't see one team stepping out on a limb and saying, look, I'm going to take two tight ends and a quarterback in my first six picks. Uh, you didn't see anybody do that. Now, you saw plenty of them try it in seven rounds, uh, quite a few. But it, it, it seems like those days, uh, when you're talking about these experienced drafters, you don't you don't get a, a gift like that. You know, when you're sitting in a draft, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. You see a guy that completely boxes up his draft through the first six rounds, and you're like, ah, don't have to worry about him. You don't see that with this group. And that's one thing I want to stress, too. I mean, certainly I've, I've made my case of why I like some teams better than others um, because I think some teams approach this type of draft the same way as me. But, yeah. I totally agree with you. There is not a weak team in this bunch. I could see any of the teams. And, and who's to say I'm even right by the way I value players? I mean, it's so subjective. I've been so wrong about players in the past. I'll tell you what. I, I thought Cam Newton and Roy Helu last year, I thought they were going to be awful. I thought they were going to be huge busts. Did not like them at all. I could not have been more wrong. 
Torrey Smith, I, I really didn't see, you know, doing much of anything in that Baltimore offense. I missed the boat there. So we look at this, we can only look at it, you know, as subjectively, as objectively, objectively as, you know, subjectivity allows, which is not very objective. That makes no sense, but <laughs> hopefully you understood what I'm saying. But anyway, but what I want to say about these teams is, is um, I don't envy you, Scott, because drafting against 11 other talented people like this, I mean, my God, it's like you might as well be playing the lotto with how even these teams are. You know, we're trying to make compelling radio, and we're trying to make a good show here tonight and analyze these teams and say, boy, we really like that, and boy, we really don't like that. The truth of the matter is, if if I was to to assign be assigned any one of these teams and say, hey, I need you to manage this team the rest of the season, I'd have no problem picking any of these 12 teams and saying, I can turn this into a championship contender because they're all very strong. Uh, the parity in this league is um, unlike um, most FPC, FFPC, any high-stakes leagues because, like you said, Scott, there's always going to be a guy who just absolutely blows it. He's sticker-picking at the end. I mean, there's always going to be that guy. Sometimes there's more than one guy. Um, we've, we've certainly been in drafts like that. There's nobody like that in this draft. All right. Here's what we want, we're going to do. Um, Eric, I'm going to go ahead and get out my envelope here, and I'm going to get out a, a piece of paper, and we're going to seal these picks. We're going to put the top three teams we like the most and the three teams we like the least. And I'm, we're going to go ahead and put these in here. We're going to seal them up. I'm going to put it in this envelope right here in my office, and we are going to – reopen this at the end of the Genesis season because this is the first one to kick it off. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the three teams I like the most. As I'm scrolling through, I am I and, and in no particular order, okay, no particular order, but the top three teams that I like the most, I'm going to go on record and give them to you now. So one of the teams in the top three is Mr. Glenn Lowy, number two overall in the FFPC last year. I look at how the team's constructed. Uh, I love the fact that Jonathan Stewart, Peyton Hillis are your four or five, Pierre Thomas, your six running backs. Uh, you can start four in this format. You have the best tight end, I believe, in the game. You have a very tough quarterback, and you're not hurting at wide receivers with Miles Austin. Now, you could say his wide receiver two is a little weak with Santonio Holmes. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not necessarily against Santonio Holmes, especially in the eighth round. I mean, last year he was getting way overdrafted, the year before way overdrafted. So there is a little bit of a weakness at wide receiver if he can shore that up. Um, Justin Blackman is, again, one of those guys that you swing for the fences for, and he and he needs some quarterback play there. So I'm going to put Glenn in my top three. He does have some weakness at wide receiver, but, again, free agency comes into play here too. Glenn's the type of guy he'll shore that up, and he'll be starting four running backs, uh, at least three every week, and he'll find that, uh, that additional flex guy. Number Two, two of the top three here, no particular order. I'm going to go with Tommy Yates. I love the Rivers uh, quarterback in the ninth. Uh, he still has McCoy, Charles, Best, LaShore, Rogers. Those are PPR guys that will definitely get some play if they need to. But I just see Kenny Britt as a number three wide receiver, and I say, OMG. I'm like, unbelievable you can get Kenny Britt as your wide receiver three. Along with Brent Selleck and a sleeper tight end in Kyle Rudolph, I like what he did with the team. Uh, so he goes in my in my top three. And finally, I don't know how you can discount what Coyote Streakers did here. Uh, Jay Cutler uh, and Robert Griffin as the quarterbacks. Very exciting combination. I think Jay Cutler is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, especially if he gets a little bit, just a tad bit of offensive line play. 
Uh, we already talked about the Matthews, Richardson, Halu, the Cruz, Antonio Brown, Little, uh, and then he's just an injury away with having a Randall Cobb or somebody explode onto the scene. Fred Davis, one of the best tight ends before he got the suspension. Uh, I think we'll see a return to him, his uh, former glory there. So there's my top three, Glenn, Tom, and Mike Santos. Eric, what do you think, buddy? What are your top three? All right, well, let me preface this by saying that it was it's very tough for me to pick three. Um, I've said all draft that two of them really stand out um, to me. But the ones I'll say the ones that just missed the cut, uh, Glenn, uh, Glenneration X, really like that team. Love Santos's, uh, Santos's uh, Coyote Streakers. I love that team. I love Jules the Smokies Doghouse. That's a good team. I, and and Legacy too. It's got I, I you know you kind of undersell it, but it is a really really solid team and a team that should be able to compete uh, for a championship. That said, um, you all know uh, you know I've been you know if I could date Recovery Boys' team right now, I would. I'd call it my boyfriend. I love it. It's it's great. You hit the nail on the head with Kenny Britt. I think the combination of Javid Best and Michael LaShore has the potential to be electric, and I think when you combine both those two, it's a low bust rate given that you just invested a sixth and an eighth-round pick. Um, I'm a little concerned with the tight end, but the fact that you get Phillip Rivers, all those receivers and those stud running backs, I love it. It's in the top three. Uh, the other team I've been talking about all night, Chef Paul's free roll. Love those top three receivers. Um, I, I'm high on, on Michael Turner in the backfield. I like Mod Bradshaw as the number one. And Matt Stafford, Mark Ingram, Stephon Ridley. I mean, just killing round six, seven, and eight. I love that. So I'm going to include them in my uh, in uh, the top two. And then the third team I'm going to take is the Warton. Really like what they did, getting Calvin, Stevie. I'm not a huge fan of Torrey Smith, and there's not a whole lot of depth behind that. But I do believe that there will be receivers uh, that will step up in, in the season if Torrey Smith is, you know, does falter, that he's going to be able to fill that spot. But technically he doesn't have to. He has Antonio Gates. He has Jermichael Finley. Those guys are every week plays. And I love the James Starks pick. I really think that he is going to be a right around a top 10, top 15 running back this year. I like Mike Goodson in the 14th round, Richard Mendenhall in the 11th. I mean, at some point you got to say, hey, I know he's messed up, but he's got the potential uh, to be in a really good situation at the end of the year. And he's going to have fresh legs, too, coming up uh, when you get the playoff season. So he's going to be startable. And then Peyton Manning. I, I, again, I'm not sold on, on him being the man, but there's still some decent quarterbacks out there that I think you can cobble QBBC together and still have a potential uh, really good juggernaut on your team. So give me Tommy Yates, Recovery Boys, John Duckworth's War Kittens, and Mike Kruschek, Chef Paul's Free Roll. Those are my top three for 2012 Genesis. All right, that is Eric Baldwin breaking it down. Uh, we each had Glenn Lowe in our top three. So very interesting to see Glenn uh, at, drew the eye of both of us. I'll tell you, though, you know, as I go through each team, and, and, I, and, I, and again, we'll do this on the message boards, I'm sure, throughout the week as we look at these top 12 teams. Uh, but it's very difficult to come out of this draft at this level of competition without a single weakness. You know, without something in your lineup, in your starting lineup, that you're like, it doesn't feel fantastic, you know, like you, like you hope it will come draft day. So uh, it, it's just very difficult when you, put a, when, you, when you put a group together. Eric, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, high Stakes Fantasy Hour, regular time returns to regular time in two weeks, right? That is correct. It's 10-9 Central starting um, May 18th. Dave Gerzak and football guys David Dodds will be on the show on May 18th. Awesome. Well, good to talk to you again. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll definitely be tuning into the show in two weeks. Uh, that's Eric Baldwin from the High Stakes Fantasy. I'm Scott Atkins. We'll talk to you guys soon. 
the high stakes world is reeling over this draft right now. We will definitely post all the results at the FFPC message board and on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So until next week, we'll see you. Th- we'll see you later. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.